Microsoft Connection. It is Friday, and as always, you know what that means. It's time for another episode of the AEW Podcast. We are called You Know What That Means. This is our 14th episode. I am Jordan Duncan, co-host of AEW's You Know What That Means podcast, along with my uh, south of the north-south. I'm the north. He's the south. Andrew Reich, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how you doing? Good. I was stumbling over my intro there. Like, I had somewhere I wanted to go, and it just kind of <laughs> veered off into left field. That's, that's, it sounded like one of those uh, promos cut by Brandy Rhodes. <laughs> yeah. So, so last episode, we, we scheduled a joke thing where you would where you would mess it up, and I'd say it's we're live, pal. This time, I really did butcher the intro. So. Oh, no, that's what that's what makes it fun. Right. I will say, uh, th- thankfully for Dynamite moving to TBS, and, like, the rate, like we'll talk about ratings later uh, in depth, but... Uh, but the ratings haven't really changed that much. In mm-hmm. fact, it was probably a slight bump versus like the later part of the year on TNT. But I do like the fact that it's on TBS because now I really don't have to worry about where the channels are when March Madness starts. Now right. I got it. Right. I know where TNT is. I know where TBS is. I mean, TNT obviously I watch for the NBA. That was that. That's like religion for me. Sure. And um and TBS and CBS of course. The other one, I mean, we can always joke about this, but, like, if we ever have a... I think Scott Criscolo made this joke about how we need a True TV award. But yeah, True yeah, TV yeah. is still the one where I'm like, where is it? I forgot right. where it is. Right. No. True Maybe TV we is, have I like to this. call it, the Impractical Jokers channel, basically. It's the only other show right. that's ever on there. So do you do you think any AEW wrestlers will show up there? On, on Impractical Jokers or True TV or the NCAA tournament? Well, I where? heard one of the hosts left. Yeah. Yeah, Joe. I'm a big fan of that show. I could start a podcast about that show if you want me to. But uh, <laughs> I'm try- hell no to the no, no, no. <laughs> Who would be the best <laughs> impractical Joker? Uh, so you need somebody who's willing. I feel like Darby Allen personality wise isn't there, but you need someone who's willing to just do anything. So somebody who MJF. wouldn't say no. Yeah, MJF. He'd, he'd be great at it. Yeah, MJF. If it's something embarrassing, he wouldn't do it. But if it's just to be an asshole, right. That's your man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I Listen, much respect to those guys. First of all, they've been on the air for like 12 years. I don't know how people don't recognize them now, like how they still actually fool people. But some of the stuff they do, I'm like, I don't know how they do it. One, I don't know why they do it. Two, I don't know how they do it with a straight face. Like, mm-hmm. it's something. But anyways, uh, uh, quick. hey, let me do a quick plug before we get into our show. Okay. Uh if you are listening to this day of drop, of course, it is Friday. Uh, the NCAA tournament kicked off, which means if you're an AEW viewer, uh, Rampage is going to be starting a little bit late after the tournament games. But if you want to get a primer on the tournament, Andrew, I believe there's a show they could listen to to get all of their tournament info. Am I correct? Yes, I spoke with Mike Rossi. We did a two-hour pod uh, right after the reveal on Selection Sunday uh, in the in the in deep into the night talking about um. Just kind of like making up as we went along. We kind of went chalk a little bit, but it was a really fun discussion. He's a UConn guy. Okay. Um, I, I'm LSU, obviously, and so we had we had some nice discussions about the tournament and whatnot. Um, uh, that's through the North South Connection feed, so that'll be probably for people who are tracking it, tracking our show through there. They'll very quickly find that one. Yeah. So I, yeah, give it a listen. I Mike was, was stunned. A good guy. I was stunned that Michigan made the tournament. I really thought they had played themselves out of it. It was close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're an 11 I seed. Actually like, I, yeah. I actually like their draw. Like, yeah, Colorado State. Part. Yeah. Which. It's, it's it's like it's like when a wrestler gets a title shot, and it's like, yeah, they didn't deserve it, but then they win it, and yeah. you're like, oh, well, they, I guess they won. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might be talking <laughs> about that with the. Like, you can play your way out, but once you're in, you can play your way through. Yep, you only you know? play six more games. That's it. So. Right. 
Uh, and like I said, they were the 11th seed, and one of the play-in games is 2-11, so they could have easily got relegated to that as well. Like, I think Rutgers got put in a play-in. Like, they did. They're um, Traditionally, they're, they're better than Rutgers, but this year I wouldn't say they're, like, head and shoulders. The Purdue win probably is what pushed them a little farther than Rutgers. And LSU you know. fired their coach because they know that he's about to get hammered by the NCAA, which I think is the mo- I still think is the most toothless sports organization of all time. Oh, but yeah. they like they like to flex their muscles when someone gets caught cheating. And yes, our coach got caught cheating. Followed by yeah. the NFL, who uh, suspends players for two games if they beat their spouses. But if you bet a thousand dollars on your own team to win, you're suspended wow. for an entire year, like Calvin Ridley. You know, that was the only thing that was funny about Revolution, and we'll dive into that uh, probably for a good portion of the show since sure. that has passed since we did our our live watch of the dynamite, like the go-to at Daly's place. But the very first thing that they showed when they um, did the pyro was that they're, they've got a big sponsor now, DraftKings. It kind of like stunned me because I thought WWE had a partnership with DraftKings. Yeah. They should do a, they should do a storyline where someone gets suspended for gam- for gambling on the outcome of matches. And it turns out he's betting on himself to lose. <laughs> <laughs> like Calvin Ridley. <laughs> it could be uh, uh fuego. <laughs> That's Fuego keeps losing matches, but he keeps getting nicer things. Like, how is he? How is he so rich? He's losing every match. Turns that's out, like, like, that's like the opposite of like. Remember, Christian in the WWE had the losing streak. Yeah, like that'd be the opposite. Like, I want to lose. Like, you tank. Right. Yeah, he's tanking. <laughs> tank. A tanking wrestler. I don't think we've ever seen that before. Speaking of which, breaking news: Tank Abbott is all elite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're all. I thought we were out of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we get the last one out of our system. So I thought, I thought, I thought they pulled the ultimate coup when I revealed that they signed the Batman. I know, right? Uh, not just Robert Pattinson, but also Michael Keaton too. That was kind of an ancillary <laughs> draft pick. So, but uh, you know, it's kind of cool. This is our 14th episode. I was thinking about this today while I was actually out getting lunch. I was texting you, not while I was driving. Don't text and drive. But I was at a red light and I was texting you uh, with some stuff we're going to talk about tonight. And I was thinking, 14 weeks. I'm the type of guy like I get gung ho about a project and my interest falls off like. You could ask Justin Rosero. He's probably pulled some of his hair out, like, with some of the projects I've started and bailed on. You know, we're 14 weeks. That's, like, over half a year into this, and we're still going strong. Like, I'm still enjoying the show. I'm still enjoying – big part of it is I'm still enjoying AEW. Uh, but when yes. we started the show, like, AEW was on fire with All Out and, like, Punk showing up and Danielson. And it was kind of like – in our early episodes, we said, can they ride this wave? Like, how long will it go? And, you know, I was thinking about that. We're – Several months in, several pay-per-views in, and obviously they can't maintain that fervor of like a guy coming back for the first time in seven years. But I think they've done a great, great job of maintaining uh, buzz. An, an interest, buzz and interesting product over this time. Now, we'll talk a little bit about some criticisms I have, like specifically of last week's Dynamite, um, you know, the, the one after Revolution, where sometimes it's just too much. Like, you're overwhelmed, but I think they've done a great, great job over these past six, seven months uh, with their product, so. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too, when I was, because, like, after Revolution, I mean, we'll, <laughs> I, we'll talk about how we felt about the show mm-hmm. in comparison to others, but, like, when you compare it, when you, when you do it in your head after the show, and you're like, you know, man, that was great, like, how, where, where does that stand? Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, like, the AEW canon, like, and I don't want, I mean, we did get lucky. I, I, I will say that we, we kind of, I think we, I said this at the very first episode, I felt like we were jumping on a tidal wave. Yeah. And the thing about All Out, and I, like, every show, even Revolution, has peaks and valleys. All Out had, like, 
Peaks and Mount Everest. Like, <laughs> yes. and, and it feels like that at first, and then it kind of it kind of like goes away and excuse me, it sort of disintegrates over time, and it's like, ah, oh, I guess that wasn't as important as I thought it was at the time. That one still is. Like, it's six months out, no pun intended, yep. and we still are talking about the Danielson Cole signings. Yep. Like, that's, it's it was a game changer. Yep. And I think we've even hit this point, too, which we'll talk about when we get into Revo- Revolution, which is in the next minute or two. Um, you know, getting CM Punk back was, like, mind-blowing, and then it's kind of like, oh, wow, and he can still wrestle. Oh, wow, he can still cut a promo. Now it's like, He's settled into this groove, and like Punk is like awesome <laughs> right now. I he's, think he's um like Jericho did this um uh, interview with Steve Austin mm-hmm. last year, where they invite they allowed him to do the interview while he was still contract uh you know under contract with AEW, and he talked about how when he did you remember when he turned heel on Shawn Michaels yeah that his his he had done he like his a, wife in flat, the face <laughs> that one like where he took some inspiration from uh the the javier Bardem character in no country for old men mm-hmm. and he talked about sinking into your character when he did acting classes while he was away for a couple of years mm-hmm. and that's where i think punk's at right now he's like really sinking in like yeah. he's like he is there it's not like that's the thing about punk that i think bothered people at first he kind of was like the happy DJ. Yeah. Like he was like, hey guys, I like, heard Minoru Suzuki is here. <laughs> and it's like, and it, it was, it almost felt like Punk was like, was like hosting Dynamite. Just, that's in my brain. Yeah. You know, I was waiting for you. I was going to say, he's almost like the guest host of Dynamite every week. Yeah, because if anybody, listen, if there's a wrestling show where the premiere event is somebody, a wrestler talking to another old wrestler, like, who's going to watch that? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I or forgot. wait, are two people fighting. <laughs> two people fighting for the chance to talk to that old wrestler. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're not talking about WrestleMania. I, I, but, say, uh, I will say one thing about WWE. It's positive and negative. I don't know okay. if you saw Steve Austin cut a promo, and it was like he just drove up in like a four wheeler, topped out, and cut like a two minute promo on Kevin Owens. Like I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna open up a can of whoop ass on you. It was really, really good. And they okay. didn't. Even, they didn't even show it on WWE TV. They just put it on like Twitter. <laughs> it's like, come so, on, man. You know why? It's unfiltered. Right. Like I remember when uh, Jericho was working with New Japan, and he did a promo from his house on Naito, and it was great. It was yeah. profane, but it was great. And sometimes it's the sometimes that's the best stuff. Like I know that there's criticism sometimes about AEW's infrastructure, where uh, I think Chavo Guerrero had some comments about it because he had worked in WWE, obviously, and sure. he did AEW a stint in AEW as uh, um, Andrade's. Uh, what did they call him? Like a manager, I guess. Yeah, and something. He left. He left to do stunt work, and because um, he's like a stunt coordinator for wrestling type of things and movies and TV, and what ha- I think it was called Young, I think it's that show Young Rock, and mm, they asked okay. him about the difference between AEW and WWE, and he said WWE is too structured, AEW is not structured enough creatively, and I understand that. Like I know that some people think that that may have been a rift, a cause of the rift between Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes. Uh, we don't know the full story. There, we're still uh, there's still a whole bunch of speculation and what is going on about Cody that I don't think is is worth discussing because I don't think he's going back to AEW. No, me neither. When it comes to the idea of like 
there's no structure. They, like, they just let people cut promos. Like, you can have, it's good to have that liberation. It's good to have that, like, ability to feel, like, alive. Like, I can, I can basically say what I think. But it doesn't all, like, that doesn't always come across as what the fans want. Sure. So you do have to filter it out a little bit. Uh, bullet points and then giving them the the dialogue for them to riff themselves and ad-lib is a good idea. But look at CM Punk's, like you were talking about, look at CM Punk's promo with MJF. That was a fucking master class. Oh, yeah. Now, is that something that he, like, literally, like, wrote down, like, <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage or Ricky Steamboat in an airplane? Right. Like, like reciting every single spot in that great match at WrestleMania three. No, I don't think that's what happened between Max and uh, and Punk, but there was definitely like a very finite structure to it, and I think it really lent well to the story once it hit the high points of like Punk gets attacked and bloodied. Oh my God, so much blood! Yeah, and this is before the dog collar match. Yeah, and then uh, Punk retaliates with a promo backstage that, uh, that aired on Rampage the, the two nights before Revolution that I thought was fantastic. It was great. It's short, too. And you can build it up that way if you really have a good idea of where to go. I'm not saying that um, some of these AEW feuds seem aimless because they 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 don't like they don't rein it in enough from a creative standpoint. I, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is that, you know, having having a having a little bit more uh, conservatism about where you're going with it and holding back and being more patient can help you. You don't have to throw it all out there. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we'll get to that uh, spe- specifically when we talk about uh, the show after Revolution. Now, uh, as always, for any first-time listeners, we tape early in the week and drop on Friday, so there's always a mystery dynamite that happens. Uh, in this case, it's the St. Patrick's Day Slam, I believe it's called, correct? Yeah, in uh, San Antonio, Texas. I don't know too many Irish yeah, people. All those Saint Irish Texas. Texans, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that episode will have aired by the time this episode comes out, but we have not watched it yet. There's a couple matches we'll preview. Um, so, you know, we're really talking about, you know, mostly the revolution, revolution and the dynamite from after that. I guess let's get into it. I mean, we already talked about Punk and, and MJF. Um, that wasn't the main event, but I think it was the... Probably the biggest sell of the pay-per-view. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, if you look at like the YouTube hits and the the just the general fanfare and the intrigue on mm-hmm. social media, I think Punk MJF was the one that people were most interested in going specifically into that event. Yeah. With the storylines leading into it, if you look at it on paper, like say you bought the DVD five years later, you know. Punk MJF is probably up there still as like the top draw of like the top match that you would say, oh yeah, I remember that one. But you know, to, to kind of talk about it in general with Revolution and kick it all off there, like it, it, I felt like a lot of those matches over delivered yeah. and I or exceeded the expectations. And that those are the and, I, and we said this at the end of the last episode, like those are my favorite shows. Those mm-hmm. are the because the because the, the expectations going into Revolution were a little tempered, yep. and it, it ha- probably had to do with the fact that the World Title feud. Um, had kind of been like a quick, like cooked up really quickly, and um, the Punk MJF one had already had a match on Dynamite, and that was a rematch, so it didn't feel new. It didn't feel like you were um, you were breaking new ground with that one. It felt like a, a continuation. Uh, the tag titles match was fantastic, but um, people had already seen the Bucks versus uh, Jurassic Express before. Like it, some of it feel, felt like a retread, or they kind of like. They kind of like cooked it up really quickly. See, but I, I think it felt like going in 
outside of Punk MJF, I felt like it was like a lot of stuff that wasn't going to end that night. Do you know what right. I mean? A continuation. Yeah. Like a stop a, a stop in the road. Like, And I think because there were four months between um, Full Gear yep. and – which was the last pay-per-view, which was a, a good show, a really good show that we were also reviewed in the archives, but had a great, great main event, a memorable main event, and an epic main event. Yeah. Whereas this one had a fantastic main event. I really loved the Hangman Page Cole match. But a lot of those other matches are fantastic. There's a pre-show match with the House of Black and the oh, Deathline. That's fantastic. I'm so glad I tracked that one down because I didn't watch the pre-show. Um, it was on the buy-in. Is what yeah, I didn't watch the buy-in, and I, I had to find it on YouTube. Just from word of mouth that that six-man, like the other stuff, the other two matches, I mean, Hook beat QT Marshall, and I think uh, legit Layla Hirsch beat Chris Statlander. Eh, whatever. You don't have to watch those. But but right. I would say go out of your way to find uh, the House of Black against... <coughs> Excuse me, Penta, uh, Pentagon, what, what's his new name? Penta Oscuro. Yeah, which is like Penta, Pentagon Dark, basically basically yeah. his uh, Lucha Underground character. Um, Pac and then Eric Redbeard, who I was like, I was so down. I'm like, why is this guy coming in? Like, I felt like that's so many people who criticize AEW are like, oh, they bring in anybody from WWE. And I don't think that's a fair assessment. But that's a good example of like, why is this guy here? But man, he worked so freaking hard in that match. He and looks he, spry. Yeah, yeah, he looked good. And then he club got some big boys uh slapping meats as big e would say uh with uh, him and brody and that was a really really good match brody king you had talked about him before being like a lighter weight guy he's big but he's like he can work light and i never saw that before until i saw this match yeah and i was like oh, okay he can really work yeah like you could do some things with brody king buddy matthews is just an awesome workhorse type of wrestler yep. so I like where they're going with that. A lot of people like, as we always joke about, the lore. Uh, it yeah. always gets big YouTube hits, the House of Black. People like the goth. Um, but two fun facts about Eric Redbeard. Um, he's Dwayne Johnson's last opponent. Yep. Uh, 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 w, uh, TNT syndicated movie veteran Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, he was already on AEW one time. He was on the Brody, the Brody Lee, Lee Memorial show. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is actually not his debut. Mm-hmm. As crazy as that sounds. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know when he showed up, I think it was Rampage, the the ramp, the go home before Revolution. I was just kind of like, ugh. And so you know when <laughs> when you have no expectations of a guy, maybe if I rewatch it, maybe he wouldn't look as great. But I was so surprised at how good he specifically. Like, the other guys didn't surprise me. I expected them to be good. You know, Rowan yeah. was always the weak link of the Wyatt family, I think. Not that I ever thought, like, oh, Eric Rowan's trash or he's horrible. But he never impressed me like Brody Lee did or even Wyatt with the character work. Um, and so he was awesome. I mean, and this is just the, the stinking preview show that we're talking about. This yeah. is the buy-in. And Jordan, that feeling you had about that, the expectations and having it surpassed, that's what the whole show felt like. Yeah. The yeah. whole show. I think – so you texted me, like, in your – in the moment reaction, you said better than full gear. I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely better than full gear. I've had a week and a half to think about it. I think it might be better than All Out was too. Wow. Now okay. it's weird because All Out in in history, and I think you know, ten years from now, fifteen years from now, All Out's still going to be the one that's talked about more. You know, because it's the Danielson debut, and All Out has the bigger moment, and maybe the best but match. Because, but that, I see your point. Let's yeah. do the tale of the tape. Right. You know. Right. Look at the main events. Which one was better? Yeah, I um, think I, th- I think Revolutions yeah. was, you know, the wild, the wild, um, the wild tag match. All outs was better. Yeah. Um, the singles mid cardy match, CM Punk's return against Darby Allen, 
good match, good, like solid match yep. with a whole lot of histrionics behind it with Punk's return. The other one on the side had two. It was Mox and Brian Danielson and Eddie Kings, and then also. Yep. I, I would also take Brian and Mox on that one if we're doing the comparisons there. Yep. And then the openers both had Eddie Kingston, right. um, Miro, and Jericho. I would take the Revolution one. Yeah, I, I, I would too. Yeah, it's it's it's, and I think part of it, you know, it'd be interesting to revisit six months down the road because, like you've been talking yeah. about, it was a show that we went into. Not that we weren't like, I don't want to see this show, but there wasn't a whole lot that we were like thrilled over. Um, and man, it came out of it like, wow, this was really, really fun. Like uh, a lot. So let, let's, let's just hit, hit the match by match. I mean, we started with Eddie Kingston. You just mentioned him. Eddie Kingston beat Chris Jericho in the opener. Um, and then Jericho on, on dynamite, which we'll get to in a second. I thought that was a heck of an angle, uh, that was forgotten two hours later, not forgotten as in it was a different direction, but so many things happened on that freaking dynamite. <laughs> you know, It kind of, and, and it didn't like, they didn't like, um, they didn't do recaps, and yep. they didn't do, like, I, that's the thing about WWE, not to try to besmirch them too much, yeah. even though it was easy. Like, they're literally showing recaps of literally the thing I just saw. Right. And it's like, dude, I just saw it. Whereas with, with Dynamite, and, you know, even especially Rampage, because they're one hour, now they're doing, I don't know if you noticed with Rampage, now they're doing shows where they literally ring the bell to start the match. They don't even yep. have intro, they yep. don't even have entrances yep. to start the first match. Like, that's how they are right now with that stuff and uh dynamite's the same they don't they don't even like say hey this is what happened on the last second no if you miss it you missed it there's Moving no on. room there's no room <laughs> to breathe uh i listen to post wrestling a lot which is waiting and john pollock i really like to listen to their recaps and it helps mm-hmm. i don't have to watch wwe i just listen to them and their yeah. review of raw today uh that i listened to this is their assessment i thought it was really interesting they said as a reviewer i much prefer raw's pace because dynamite is so almost like balls to the wall breakneck that like they had to stop and like that you can't digest it all in the moment. And I'll say this, Jordan, that's what the first few months of the dynamites felt like when they started. Yeah. Because remember, they did have dark, but dark was they were kind of feeling it out and trying to figure out what it was. They were tinkering with it. They didn't have rampage, and then they started expanding their roster with people like you know into quarantine, like Matt Hardy and. Um, and um, and Brody Lee and um, bringing in some other people. I remember they brought in Jake Roberts, yeah. and like it felt like they kind of had to smush everything in, like the AEW universe, as we are now responsible for covering for PTB, <laughs> which is which is going to be two hours long. It's almost as long as Dynamite. Um, it it's just it felt like you had to smush it all into the Dynamite. Now Rampage is sort of giving them a bit of a release valve. But Jordan, we we always talk about this, like the talent ros- the roster is growing. Yep. The um the interest is growing. The buy rates are steady. The buy rate uh, that Meltzer reported for Revolution is the second highest of all time behind the aforementioned All Out show. Mm-hmm. And there's just it's just building up to this point where it's like you can't fit everything in, even with the current incarnate. Like this is fucking crazy, Jordan. <laughs> Do they need a third major cable show, dude? I... Is this nuts? Am I nuts? I, 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 my thoughts are like maybe Rampage is two hours. Okay. But but yeah, they did that I, at Grand Slam and it stunk. Right. Exactly. Like uh, then what do yeah. they do? It's I think they're in a tough spot where it's almost like they got too successful too quick in a sense. You know, like they've got too much product on their hands and they can't distribute it properly. And again, we're not very critical of the show. I mean, I'm still a fan of the show. Like. When I say Dynamite was fast-paced and, like, there was too much, I don't think it was a bad show. 
But I came out of that like, whoo. <laughs> like, you know how you know how they say for ECW, Paul Heyman always says this line about why it went out of business. Uh, we were too small to be big. Yeah, we were too big, to be small. Here's the here's how I feel AEW. They're too big to get bigger. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, they're, what, they're what else can back, they do? I mean, it's they, like in the NBA. They version, sold out like, the, the forum in LA. You know, like yeah, in Inglewood, I saw that. That's really interesting. That's twelve. That's a twelve thousand seat arena. It's right. old. But it's, yeah, right. I don't, and I think also um, the Little Caesars Arena. Tickets for in Detroit that we had yeah. talked about I think uh, in your like almost ten thousand already, and they're moving too, right? Yep, yep. So, and that just went on sale a week ago. So, uh, it's but something. But just, but just but just the general point is just basically like there's an exponential growth there, but there is a cap. Mm-hmm. There is a point where it's like. All right, we you know we can't keep we, we can't keep booking big arenas because what if we what if you have like a situation like you like w- remember when they went to Charlotte again and they didn't get the turnout they wanted like right. you got to sort of dial it back sometimes. I like the fact that they did Addition Arena in Orlando and not the Amway Center. Like right. I liked it because you can pack that one to the gills. Yeah. What if you go to um. I'll just give a I'll just give a random arena Barclays mm. and you can't fill it up. Like it looks bad, right? So I get that, uh, and this is not TNA. We have, dude. TNA is like they're not even in the rearview mirror more. They're on the other mile mark. <laughs> yeah. Like they were doing pay per views. Like I remember they did a lockdown in San Antonio, and it was supposed to be the biggest crowd ever. I could see empty seats for days. Oh yeah. If you, <laughs> well, I mean, the Alamo Dome's a massive. That, that's also bad, bad company management too. Like you have to know what you can sell and what you can't. You know, yeah. you're, you're shooting yourself they did, in the they foot. They didn't pull the trigger on going on the road early enough, and yep. then when they did pull the trigger, the fanfare was gone. Yep, I agree. They mistimed it. Yep. yep. I've always I, – I know Meltzer's always said that ticket sales are more of a reflection, you know uh, – ticket sales are more better reflection of when they're actually there. Uh, how, what he means by that is like, you know, for example, they're coming to Detroit in June. But the tickets are on sale right now in March. And tickets are moving now in March, meaning in March they're hot. But by June, who knows? Not might saying, taper off. Right. I'm not saying that. But we saw that in WCW a lot. You know, you didn't see the decline in the numbers as quick as you saw it on the product. Do you know what I mean? Like, And then there's the resale market. We see that a lot with the NFL and mm-hmm. UFC and big boxing fights like these celebrity ones involving the Pauls, like, yeah, <laughs> I wonder yeah. if Chris Paul would do it. If Chris Paul did a boxing match, how would he do? Yeah, or what about uh, the State Farm version of Chris Paul? <laughs> Cliff, Cliff, yeah, Cliff, Cliff Paul. Do you mean Dynamite exclusive partner, yeah. uh, State Farm? <laughs> Cliff and Chris versus Jake and Logan at WrestleMania. You heard it here first. Don't, don't say, Jordan, don't say that out loud. And we'll call it the, say- the Paul for all. <laughs> <laughs> or brawl for Paul. <laughs> but no, like the point is like for the big events, the big things that people want to get tickets for, they can hit the resale market because you can flip it around for more money if it's hot or a big concert, you know, like a Dell or something like that. Right. Where the only time I really saw that for AEW was like the pay-per-views and Punk's return in the United Center. Mm-hmm. That's when they sold out like like fucking hotcakes. Right. You know? Yeah, but and it- I feel like we're kind of in a wave where they're doing good with the sales. They're coming off a big pay-per-view. Uh, they just announced that they're hitting the West Coast. We can delve into the West Coast stuff when we get there. But, yeah, there's definitely interest there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, back to Revolution. I, I, again, it, it almost makes us get frantic because it's a frantic pace of a show. And I, I don't want to, like, come down like, oh, this is horrible. Because, again, I'm a fan. I think it's intentionally fast-paced. And that's okay. I'm just saying sometimes 
you got to breathe, you know. Uh, but Revolution, I think, did have that time to breathe. Um, Eddie Kingston beat Chris Jericho in a great match. Um kicked off the show. Eddie Kingston, we're going to talk about a little bit later. We've got a discussion we're going to have. Um, this is a good match. And, you know, this is, again, some really great promos leading up to it where Jericho basically said, you know, you you are afraid to win the big one. And Eddie said, I almost didn't show up. Um, this is in the promo afterwards. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't show up, but he did beat him by submission. And I think that was the right call. What do you think? With a stretch plum. Yeah. <laughs> but that's an old school that's move. A, that's a Kawada old- move right there. But the funny thing about um, we all every, anybody who doesn't know Eddie Kingston like bows at the feet of the King's Road, which yep. is the yeah he had a really cool style. shirt on Dynamite last week called uh, the original Four Pillars, the, the yeah. original Four Pillars, yeah, yeah. Tawe, Akiyama, Kobashi, and Misawa. And you and me, Such that's cool our favorite shirt. booking style of wrestling matches. Like, and it's not everybody's favorite. Some people prefer strong style or the Pat Patterson style, but. Some people prefer the Russo style, but like for for me, yeah, lunatics. King's Road is <laughs> King's <laughs> King's Road is undeniably great. Yeah. So yeah, for for Kingston to finish with a stretch plum, which mm. is straight out of all Japan, yeah, that that worked. Uh, I also love Jericho. The characterization in that match was so good. Mm. Jericho slimmed down big time. I don't want to speculate why, um, but he looks great. Like this yeah. is the best shape. He's got a six pack again. <laughs> I, I I think part of it, part of it, not all of it, but I think part of it. Chris Jericho, I think, really dives into characters, and I think for a long time in AEW, his character, especially at the start when he was the champ, was kind of like this over the hill rocker cr- trying to hang on to like Le Champion. Yeah, and I think he was intentionally a little flabby, intentionally a little let go. And since that's not necessarily where he is now, like, we'll t- I mean, I guess we can reveal it's the Chris Jericho Appreciation Club, I think is the name of the group. Yes. Um, you know. Uh, appre- yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and like in promos, oh, wait, he's been appreci- saying. Appreciation Society. Society. And in promos, he's been saying, like, I'm the man, not Kenny, not Danielson, not Moxley. I'm the man that you got to got to beat to be somebody around here. And so, you know, if he views himself that highly, I think it makes sense that he would take care of his body and he's in better shape. I think that. I think that his, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, slovenly appearance in the past was intentional on his part because it fit his character and not that's not the character. Are you saying he? Now. Are you saying he did like what Christian Bale did when he played Dick Cheney? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> or he just like gained a ton of weight because it's like I have to sink into my character. I need to be a fat, lazy slob. <laughs> right. Well, even even like his skin tone back then was like a little too tan. You know, it's just. Yeah, I, I, I have always thought, you know, because people ripped on Jericho's appearance like, oh, man, he looks bad. And I always thought, like, he, he's doing that on purpose, you know? And we see here <laughs> now, like, the guy can get right back into shape if he wants to. I mean, he's older than we are, and he looks great. But so. I, I love his characterization. He was right in there with Kingston. He literally is saying to Kingston right when he's setting up for the Judas effect, you can't win the big one. Yep. He swings it, misses. I think – I yeah – Kings, I thought Kingston got him with the Judas effect because they have similar finishers, but he got him with the spinning back yeah, fist. Because Kenny got twice. the er, yeah, not Kenny, but yeah, Eddie has the spinning back fist. So right, got him twice, and then the stretch plum to finish on a tap out. Yep. Jericho obviously comes in a little. Uh, have he didn't shake his hand at the end of Revolution, so they have this promo. The next yeah, you know what? Let's let's just review it that back. way. Let's go right into to what happened with them on Dynamite since we're reviewing both. I mean, lead us through that that promo and, and the fallout from that. So what happens is that Jericho wanted to um he felt like he had to make up for what he for not shaking his hand when he left the ring yep. because he was because he he was emotional and so, so whatnot. 
Eddie Kingston, like you had said, did say, you know, Chris, you were right. I did. I was afraid of being successful. I was afraid of winning. But now, but I did win. And he respects Jericho, but he says that refusing to shake his hand is not an Eddie Kingston problem. It's a Chris Jericho problem, yeah. which is basically him flipping it back to Jericho saying, you know, I'm not the one with the self-reflection issues. It's you. Yeah. And they do shake hands at the time. Then there's then there's a weird moment where um uh, two point oh and Daniel Garcia Daniel Garcia yeah. come down and they do they do attack Jericho but if you watch it again it's very it's light. like they kind of gingerly put him off to the side it's Shakespearean yeah well I <laughs> and, think uh, I don't know if it's Excalibur or Jim Ross even said oh Jericho's bad neck or something like that to kind of explain how even though they barely said, touched oh, him yeah, it could have hurt him that, that yeah. in the beginning in the very and this is this was right out of like Kingston's uh, match with Punk that everybody loved at full gear. He starts the match off against Jericho, giving him a freaking half and half suplex, landed him right on his head. Yep. You know, and now I mean, here's the thing too: we don't have to talk about Big E. I, all <laughs> I was, that was in my brain as you said, right, landed recovered. right on his head. I'm like, man, no, there's so many Big head E dropping. landed right on his head. <laughs> there is so many head dropping moves in AEW and WWE that like I just there are those like you get used to it, and then somebody gets hurt, and right. you're like, oh. Like and then you have that like you have that um, uh, hesitation every time right. you watch. For, it like, just a shows couple... it shows how good they are at their craft that the stuff yeah. that we think is nasty versus what's actually nasty. It's mm-hmm. like oh wow because when I, I saw the clip of Biggie, I didn't see it live, but I saw it on Twitter. I'm like oh my gosh, yeah, like, yeah, that was that was ugly. It's it's it is amazing how skilled they are. Mm-hmm. It is amazing how skilled these wrestlers are. Like accidents happen, like Phoenix messing up his arm, like it happens. But the skill level that goes into doing all these crazy, amazing things and not get injured, I can't like I can't compliment re- these wrestlers enough. Right. But back to like the promo. So they're going to do the beatdown. Uh, Santana Ortiz come down to make the save. Give the bat to Jericho. Jericho turns on Proud and Powerful. Yep. Then Hager is like, "What is? What's up? What's what's going on with this?" Hager sides with Jericho pretty quickly. And, yep. And then 2.0 and Garcia join in with Jericho to beat down Santana Ortiz and Eddie Kingston. Kingston gets it right in the eye. Yeah, his broken bat, broken orbital bone. Yep. The broken orbital to go back to that kayfabe wise and. Uh, and then a power bomb from the apron to a table by oh, Hager. That could have been ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hager almost he had some trouble getting Eddie up for that. And Jericho ends the uh, segment with "Now that's entertainment." So, by the way, he has trademarked the the words "sports entertainer." Hmm. So okay. he's been he also I mean he's been doing this he's been starting to trademark his own things like TF uh, like uh, GFY. Yeah, I don't have. The, what, what does GFY stand for? Um, I think it's something with Georgia because that's where Chad Campbell lives. So, <laughs> Guy Guy Fieri's. Uh, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Guy Fieri's young boy. I don't know. <laughs> All through, look, Guy Fieri's fucking filthy. Right here, richer than Chris Jericho. Gosh. But um, I just have an image yeah. of like of like young boys in the diners drive-ins and dashes or whatever those are called you know just like young yeah. boys with like earning their flame their flame yeah. shirts <laughs> like like um like uh who's uh gordon ramsey just yeah. like doing the whole stan hansen thing and the kid what are you doing 
<laughs> just throwing them around. Because for those who don't know, young boys is a trait is a word for like the proteges in J- Japanese wrestling who basically yeah. stand ringside as like as a sign of solidarity, and their job is to basically have the main eventers look good by beating the living shit out of them. <laughs> and and the, and the main eventers used to be young boys, you know, on almost on almost every example, yeah. Right, so. right. And look, I mean, look, we there's a lot of young boys. They're now some of them are pillars these days. Yep. I guess there's I guess there's more pillars than four. I guess we're, what are we up to? Are we up to twelve? I don't 16? know. It's like a it's the Roman Coliseum at this point. <laughs> like one of the four pillars of NXT 2.0. I'm like, what about shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> Dolph Ziggler, no, the Jericho's, NXT pillar. <laughs> Jericho, Jericho is full heel now, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, but and he's, he's, and he's to, the he's inner starting. Cer- to, Shape this angle. Yeah, He's the, to reshape. the inner circle is officially done. Uh, Sammy's t- didn't really play into it, and that's fine. Sammy's got his own stuff going on, but inner circle is done. Now we've got the Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho Appreciation Society, which is Jericho Hager, and it makes sense that Hager stays there because. Otherwise, he's got nothing. Like that, that guy's lucky that he's still in this group because he might yeah. be released otherwise. And give then him, you've got give him something to play with. Yeah, right. and then you got two point oh Daniel Garcia, which I think is interesting because with the Mox Danielson stuff, which we'll talk about, I thought. Garcia would have been a nice candidate for what they're building. Uh, so kind of a l- little bit of a swerve to put him with Jericho. Um, and so I'm, I'm guessing that Eddie and Santana and Ortiz are going to have to get some help, get a couple numbers on their side moving forward. We'll see. So uh, For sure. Let's go back to Revolution. Next match, we're on the second match, by the way, was a three-way tag for the for the AEW World Tag Team titles, and this was awesome. Uh, Jurassic Express took on and defeated Red Dragon and the Young Bucks. Uh, I think we both called that one. We thought, you know, Jurassic Express needed to keep the titles, and the other two teams didn't need the belts for where they're going story-wise. Uh, but this was awesome. It was just, just a hair under 20 minutes. Uh, some really wild stuff. Luchasaurus was a little sloppy in a couple spots, but the announcers yeah. actually helped it a little bit. Um, but man, this is just the young bucks are so good at chaos, you know, like, yes. so good at chaos and just, even though they're like, a, they're, you know, we were talking about speeds, you know, and talk about yeah. also the, you know, basketball teams and the tournament and blah, blah. They're like a team that, that, when they run the fast break, things look loosey goosey, but yeah. they know how to find them. That's holes. exactly what I was gonna say. Like it looks, and the bucks are like that. It looks like it's all over the place, but they know exactly where it's going. Correct. I, I think they're smarter than a lot of people get. And them some people would it. call that spot monkey. I yeah. don't think that's a spot monkey. I, I don't think so I either. Think, I think that's somebody like. I think Will Osprey Ricochet was a spot fest. You know, yeah. Where it's like, oh, we're gonna just highly choreograph. I mean, it was fun, but yeah, it yeah. was. <laughs> It was it was a dance routine. Yeah. This isn't a dance routine. This is freelance, and yeah. th- and to be able to like put together a really terrific like sequence of counters involving two other teams, where right. they it stays entertaining. It never slows down because this one never slowed down. And, and to be able to do that is really remarkable. And I also give credit to Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. Like they were great. Yep. You know. Yep. They did their thing. Yep. So, uh, I guess the fallout from that is uh, Jurassic Express still champs. Um, I don't think they have a program. I don't think we saw like a real program come they, out of that. No, they wrestled the Acclaimed in a really good match. Yeah. Where the Acclaimed had one of – dude, they had this move that was just absolutely insane. It was – um, Anthony – I don't know if you noticed this. Anthony Bowens has this like Chris Canyon type of style where he does moves that I have literally never seen. Yeah, before. like and like even like little combos that he does, like with the kicks and the chops that go yeah, into well, a move. Th- yeah. This one was a doozy. They did it on Jungle Boy. It was a pop-up Mishinoku driver. Yeah. 
even yeah. Excalibur was like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> I was I was talking with I think Steve Willie, maybe a couple other people. I don't remember, but they acclaimed to me are a team that like. I feel like they got to strike while the iron's hot, man. I think that is a team that is on the rise right now. I've, and the I feel fans like, like them. I feel like I've said this three episodes in a row, which is six weeks now. Like the acclaimed are getting hot, man, and they're getting better too. Like yeah. they're like the New Age Outlaws, but they're good, really good wrestlers. They're also like the New Day because the New Day became yeah. Heels. And but what happened is they became so likable as they as heels that they had to turn them face. Yep. The thing about AEW is, and we've talked about this a million times with their style, is that, oh, we don't want to do what Vince would do, typically, and that's turn somebody face because fans are cheering them as a heel act. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, but the Acclaim do have a style that does lean into fans liking them and being edgy. And yep. if you turn them slightly face by just having them change their approach a little differently, I don't think it would hurt them that right. much. They don't even have to act different. They come out, cut a promo on their opponents. So it just happens to be their opponents are Butcher and the Blade. You, Max, you know? Caster, Max Caster got a great one. I don't know who it was on, but he said something like, you're you're worse than uh, Glenn Jacobs' tweets. Yeah. And I, I just <laughs> laughed. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was the only match that Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus yeah. had after So I think their Revolution. thing is still just the fighting champs really kind of – I wouldn't say spinning their wheels, but they don't have anything to really sink their teeth into. And they're going to team up with um, Hangman Page yep. against uh, Cole and the Bucks. Yep, which yep. there was a little bit of a backstage segment where Cole uh, you know, said he's going to – Cole basically said to Paige, you know, get a teammates and I'll get teammates. And there was a backstage segment where the Bucks are like, we're not going to fight Hangman. And Cole's like, well, I wasn't going to pick you, you know, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he, he takes Red Dragon. So uh, Kyle O'Reilly, by the way, is pretty good at like these facial reactions, like during these promos, these backstage things. Well, just watch for it. Like when when yes. when Cole says, "Well, I wasn't going to pick you anyways." Kyle O'Reilly's like reaction is just it's fun. Like he doesn't overshadow it, but like he's always doing something. Yeah, we're is... I'll, we we'll talk we'll talk at better length uh, about Hangman and Cole. But it reminded me a lot of Johnny Gargano and Cole uh, in oh, the yeah. NXT takeover. It was an NXT takeover because, main event. <laughs> yeah, like, like I think Revolution was the greatest NXT takeover of all time. Okay. Like. Like, <laughs> but the thing, no, but, um, well, Kyle the women's matches reaction, weren't as good as some of the NXT women's matches. <laughs> the ref bumps when Kyle Riley reacts, which is just like the one in the NXT match with Gargano, mm -hmm. his face like lights up like a Christmas. Yeah. Movie. He's like, oh, can interfere. Yeah, he's really <laughs> like, good at that stuff. Like, he's so funny. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's kind of like. This kind of leads to what we were saying early in the show where going into Revolution, not that we expected it to be bad, but we were kind of like, well, we knew coming out of this that the Bucks and the Red and Red Dragon were still going to be progressing. And that's exactly where it is. So uh, right. next next match on Revolution was the face of the ladder, face of the Revolution ladder match. Winner gets a TNT title shot. It was Wardlow, Christian Cage, which is a little surprising. Uh, Keith Lee, Orange Cassidy, Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. I think you and I both thought that Ethan Page was going to get that spot over Christian. Um, I thought Christian... it might be Scorpio, but um, yeah, yeah. But what happened was it was going to be seven, and they changed it at the last second. And Scorpio after got just straight up got a made title it match. six. Correct. Yeah. So Wardlow wins that match. There are some really fun spots there. Uh, I think the most gifable spot was uh, when Keith Lee and Wardlow lift the ladder up, and Orange Cassidy skins the cat and just stands right up on the ladder. I thought that was kind of <laughs> clever. Then there was kind of almost like a human pyramid type thing where Cassidy ran up everybody to try and get it. I thought this was a good match. Um, 
I don't think the winner was ever in doubt, though. I think everybody knew Wardlow was winning this one. Yeah, but Wardlow was over. It wasn't one of these things yep. where, like, yep. uh, the 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 heat that he had kind of like lost steam because the match does go 17 minutes, and you do yep. have multiple competitors to keep it entertaining. Like Orange Cassidy, he does the funny comedy spots, like you said, but he can do really awesome like wrestling like like sequences too. So there and Ricky Starks, I thought took did some awesome stuff. Took a nasty bump on the yeah oh my gosh that guy world of power bombing from one ladder to the base of another and ooh, he and he's got neck problems he doesn't get a know? ton of time and i think he knows like i i don't got a lot of time i'm gonna make sure i do something with my yeah. time because even again i kind of like this flow where we go right into post stuff you know coming out of that we'll talk about world next but it looks like keith lee is gonna be feuding with team taz and uh on rampage uh, he had a showdown yeah, with Ricky. Powerhouse Hobbs on Rampage gave him a, a very real nice, nice spine buster. buster. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I like that. I I I dig Hobbs. I dig Stubbs. Hobbs is getting over. Like it's yep. the 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 push is coming. Yep. You can see it. Yep. It's kind of funny. Like, it's, it, you know, AEW's <laughs> like one of the criticisms from like the Cornet type people is these guys don't look like wrestlers. You know. And now look at who's look who's coming up the ranks. You got Wardlow and Powerhouse there's a, Hobbs. There's and, a great moment where Hobbs and Wardlow are because it it was a ring. It was an actual brass ring, like yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. Like a Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah. Yeah, I was look I was looking for uh, Doctor Robotnik in the background, <laughs> and and um, you mean the butcher? Uh, <laughs> is, are you saying Jim Carrey is in disguise as a pro wrestler? Yep. Is he trying to make up for all that crap he did to Jerry Lawler oh. on the Andy Kaufman? Hang movie? on, Andrew. Hang on. Hang on. Ace Ventura is all elite. I just got worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Pet detective. Yeah. Um. Well, Hobbs and uh, Wardlow are holding it. And they stare each other down like, oh, okay, I see. We're no one's letting. We're not like basically we're at a stalemate. And they go back down and start punching each other. Yeah. And the crowd roars like they yeah. know. All right, it's a Haas party now. So yep. yeah, the crowd was into it. It was a good one. Warlow got over. He got cheered like a baby face when, excuse me, when he uh when he when he got it when yep. he got the brass ring, and it was a really fun match. Yep. And that was not the last we saw of Wardlow in the night. Um, he played a big, really the biggest part in the finish of the Punk uh, MJF. So I guess we'll pause Wardlow and talk about him when we get to Punk MJF because that's kind of okay. where he's going. Which, again, I just dropped my phone, so just lost my notes for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, that's we, we've all seen this coming, and we talked about this in the last episode. Sometimes if you know the – sometimes the story's predictable because it's good. You know, like, it right. makes sense. Like, there's this Wardlow-MJF story, it all makes sense, you know, and every beat is what we expect, and it's totally fine. So we'll talk about him in just a second. Our next match was uh, Jade Cargill over Ty Conti. This one could, this one didn't need to be on the show. Um, no. I understand they just want Jade out there because they really believe in her. This could have been Jade, Jade, a buy Jade looked okay. Yeah, she looked, she had she, she had, had the really cool outfit going on. Yeah, yeah the, the, she um she did the um she did a very nice frog splash. You can mm-hmm. see she's trying new things. Yep. So I like that out of Jade that she's experimenting. And was it this match or was it the lead up where she just straight kissed Ty Connie on the lips? <laughs> that was oh that that was um that was on the that that was for the pay per view brother. Yeah. But the uh, <laughs> you you can only get that on pay per view. Yeah. But um. 
what happened is she she kissed her on the head as like a show off of like you're so much shorter than me. Yeah. And like oh look at you sweet little girl. Then she kisses her on the lips. Yeah. So now she's trying to get that over. They kind of went to a promo after that on Dynamite where they're 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 trying to put it over as the kiss of death, mm. basically saying like. Once I once I once I lock once I lock you in, you're done. You're you're gonna lose. Um, I remember. Um, I don't remember her name. Um, the the valet for Mil Mortis in Lucha Underground. Oh, when yeah. Mil Mortis beat his opponent, she would kiss him on the lips. It wasn't Eva Lee. Like, it was uh, Katrina. I, Katina. Katrina. Yeah, I think it was Katrina. And I, it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, and but yeah, I guess Jade is kind of doing that, where it's it like. Like uh, the Fredo, the kiss of Fredo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you're done for. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's not a lot to say about the match, though. I mean, also Anna J used the chair, so yeah. almost like almost uh, <laughs> basically Ty Conti almost cheated to win. Yep, I do think Jade's getting better. Um, but this is the shortest match in the show. It needed to be. Uh, when we get to the next women's match, I'll talk about how that one was way longer than it should have been. Uh, yeah. In between those two women's matches, I guess this is the buffer for the two women's matches. This is your bathroom break if you're paying if you're paying for the women's matches. The bathroom break was CM Punk taking on MJF in a dog collar match. Uh, <laughs> this thing went like a half hour, dude. And man, I watched this and I thought this was I I really thought this was gonna be one of those matches that everyone just unanimously loves. And I think most people did, but I saw some dissenting opinions of people who were like, eh, I didn't think he was that great. I thought this was a masterpiece. You know what I say? Show the Roddy Piper, you know, they always keep talking about Piper and Valentine. Mm-hmm. Show that match to those people that didn't like it. Yeah. Tell me if they liked it, because it's not a carbon copy of it. It's not, but if you watch the beginning of Piper Valentine, it starts the same, where yeah. they're trying to like test each other's strength with their necks. Yep. You know, and and but they do some more creative things like Punk's trying to go win on MJF, and MJF just whips it in his yep. face. Yep. Like, and they do some creative stuff like with the like J- like uh, Punk traps uh, MJF to beat the crap out of him for a little while, where he basically did a nice little um, like almost like a um, like a like a Peruvian necktie type of thing on the on those posts with the chain where he could he literally could not get out. Yeah. So he just started just pummeling him. Uh, blade jobs by both guys. MJS was weak sauce. Yeah. It, it happens. He didn't Punk take the right hand. <laughs> Punk went gushing. He had already done it at the Dynamite that we live watched on yeah. the last show, but he he got it going again. Had it nice and flowing. Uh, the entrance where it was basically a callback to um, his Ring of Honor entrance, which it didn't give me the feels because you know, anytime I ever hear AFI, I think, oh, the American Film Institute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't in, think of in our show film, notes but... the AFO versus AFI feud. That's but hey, you, know, you, you do you look. Some songs make people cry, and some songs don't. You know, yeah. <laughs> AFI playing CM Punk's music doesn't like it. Doesn't doesn't make me emotional, but it made it was emotional for Punk. Like mm-hmm. uh, after the after the match, he did the media scrum, and he was very emotional. I don't know if it had to do with the match itself working out the way he wanted, or the entrance uh, being similar to his days in Ring of Honor, which he really treasured before he went to the WWE, but. They, you know, it was, it, it was, it, it felt like, and to kind of bring it all back to what we're talking about with the match, it felt like it was very character-based, it felt like it was very deep in thought, mm-hmm. and it never felt like they got, like, it never felt like they broke the fourth wall. Like, they were always in their, 
um, in their mode of telling the story. And yeah. sometimes a match goes longer when you want to tell the story. Right. And I guess maybe if you're thinking a 30-minute match, oh, they should have done more. I get, I get the criticism, but I think that's putting the match in a vacuum. I think you have to take this match as the final sentence of a story. Uh, and I do think that story is closed for now. I think we might see these two... Well, they are one and one, so right. I wonder. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I think I think it's paused. Um, okay. I think I think the standard WWE is you know three matches and you move on. I think with AEW, like because you look at Hangman and, and Danielson, they have they've only had two, uh, but they can go back to it. And I think that's where it's kind of smart. Like I think that we'll see these two guys move on, but. And I won't say which. I, I feel like one of them winds up with the world title, and whichever one wins it, guess who the first challenger is? The other guy. Oh, you know, you know it's coming. <laughs> like, yeah, it's and so it's perfect. not one of these situations. Like, I remember when Sean and Jericho feuded, and it was the hottest feud in the company at the time. So Vince, Vince does what he always does. He puts the title on it. Right. Because it's like, oh, I want this to be in the main event. I want to make it bigger. Right. Because that's his strategy all the time. That's not what they're doing here. Right. Like, this is, this is organic. Yeah. You know? I like the finish with Warlow coming down and pretending like he didn't know where the Dynamite Diamond Ring was. Yep. And then eats a GTS and then he remembers and just lays it down there. Almost like um, it, it almost reminded me of in a movie where like the mysterious bartender gives you like like <laughs> the secret key that you've been looking for the entire movie yep. kind of. Thing. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, and even too like he did. It was almost like Sting back in the NWA days. He didn't toss it to Punk. He just made sure Punk saw. He put it on the mat and left. Yeah, like, I'm not helping you, but hey, look what's here, you know? Because <laughs> like Sting used to come and just put the bat down, you know, and like mm-hmm. it's still a little air of mystery, which uh, that mystery was uh, explained on the next Dynamite where Wardle now, gave a babyface promo. Now, think that Dynamite Diamond Ring is not cool. He needs to give it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, MJF's won that thing three years running. Like he's earned that thing. So he's kissed that ring quite a few times. Right, exactly. So it's <laughs> interesting hope, that I, I hope CM Punk sanitized it. <laughs> it's interesting how some things happen in in the world of wrestling. Like a ring is just this deadly knockout blow. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, it the Halliburton briefcase. Yeah, in WCW. Or, or Miss Elizabeth or a woman's shoe. You know, like Stevie Ray slapjack. I'm going to make you laugh. I hit myself in the back with a Halliburton briefcase <laughs> just to see if it hurt. It didn't hurt. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I remember when I was in high school, like that was peak uh, Attitude Era and stuff. And me and my mm-hmm. friends, we would like wrestle like all the time. And we would love to go to like the dollar stores and buy, like, the cheap cooking, like, pans that you could just smash over each other's heads. And it would make the impression. Yeah, it would make the impression. It was super loud, but it, you felt nothing. It was so great. We'd just buy, like, $30 worth of those things and just smash them over each other's heads all night. Yeah, and, and the funny – and well, not the funny thing, but, like, the thing is, like, the things that actually hurt, like, a knife stick – and I'm yeah. trying to think of another. I'm trying to think of something that would like legitimately it, it doesn't, hurt you. Like it doesn't look good in wrestling. Um, what's that? What's that thing that ECW used all the time when they were make people bleed on their foreheads? What was that thing? Um, the, the the scraper thing. Yeah, the pizza. Uh, the the cheese grater. The cheese grater. It doesn't make a noise. Yeah. You just see it go, and he's, he's bleeding. Well, that fucking hurts. <laughs> a knife stick being hit, getting hit in the head with a knife stick hurts, right. but it doesn't make a noise like, right. you know, like a chair does you right. know right yeah so but yeah so uh mjf punk i thought this was awesome i thought it was incredible i thought it was everything i hoped it would be uh 
I can't remember what I predicted would win, but it was at the point where I was like, I honestly was like, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, it, it really got me. Um, and and then, if you want to zapruder it with the tax, like, oh, he missed it, man. Yeah. Okay, like, that's not what the match was. This right. wasn't like the young, like, if that was the Young Bucks um, Jurassic Express Ride Dragon match. Yeah, that's a situation where you need to hit your spots right and blah, blah, blah. And if you miss one, it show, it sticks out like a sore thumb. I didn't feel that with Punk and MJF. I, I don't feel like that's the direction they were taking it. I agree, yeah. Um, so Wardlow kind of cost MJF uh, the match. Uh, Punk and MJF were not on Dynamite, which I think was pretty smart. You know, like these guys. Yeah, radio, radio silence. Yeah. There was a promo with Punk. But it was just basically a cleanup of what happened right. at the and they're just the selling their beatings, you know. Uh, so Wardlow gives a pretty hundred percent babyface, not like uh, oh, is he gonna be babyface? Like a pure babyface promo. Like I hate MJF, uh, I'm bound to him by contract, but screw you, uh, I'm my own man, I'm Wardlow. And uh, what did he say at the end? This is Wardlow's world, or something like that. Yeah, uh, all elite wrestling is now officially Wardlow's world. Wardlow's world, which not to be he confused with Bobby's world. Up, to the old. <laughs> he also went with the sympathy card, which uh, I, I got to say, he probably practiced his promo in the mirror a million times. Yeah, but it did. You could look, see the nerves. Oh yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Like he's, I mean, he's green, but yeah, but he didn't look. It, it didn't come out like uh, stilted. Like he. No, seemed I thought to it was be, very good naturally telling his story and he talked about growing up poor mm-hmm. you know and so that's a that's a easy like baby faceish thing where it's like i didn't want to be a bad guy i was yep. forced to be explanation bad because I didn't is have out the mjf exploits right. his him in his worst you know and he yeah. called him max he kept calling him max yep. yeah 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 so essentially he basically said you know uh look i'm I'm my own man, and I'm just going to run roughshod through everybody. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, that's, and, and that's coming. That's coming soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the time this episode airs, he will have had his TNT title match with Scorpius Sky. So he's either he's either a champion or uh, an enraged MJF has cost him his shot, just like he cost MJF the dog collar match. So those are really right. the only two options. So um, back to the pay per view, uh, man. This is starting to become a trend. Britt Baker matches being the low point of the show. Uh, she defended her title against Thunder Rosa, beat her by pinfall, a whole lot of the same that we've seen with Britt Baker a million times at this point. 17 minutes, way, way too long for me. They could have chopped about seven out of this. Yep. Um, they really could have. I guess peeking ahead, uh, so on the Dynamite after, Thunder Rosa got an immediate match with Layla Hirsch. Winner fights uh, Brie Baker at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam, which is already aired by the time this episode comes out. Uh Thunder Rosa wins that match, finds out she's getting Britt Baker in a steel cage. And I'll say it right now, Andrew, as we're taping before that episode aired, if Thunder Rosa doesn't win the title here, uh, I think it's a big mistake. I think Britt Baker, I think she's a star, but I think the act and the overbooked interference gets by on the skin of her teeth. I think it's done, and I think she needs to move on to something else, I think. And. And historically, that's also the same show where the lights out match happened between the two, yep. which is the, and Thunder Rose's hometown. One of the best. Yep. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I, I, right. I don't know if it's her hometown or just where she's billed from. Right, right, yeah. and uh, but like, let me ask you this: so when uh, Tony Schiavone was the one, it, by the way, people are like, 
William Regal. Oh, by the way, William Regal's an AEW guys. Yeah, um, right. William Regal uh, should be the commissioner of AEW. No, Tony Schiavone is the commissioner of AEW. <laughs> yep, yep. He announces everything. He is Tony Khan's voice. Tony Schiavone is um, the commissioner. A, Tony Khan is the drugged up boss who comes out bug eyed every <laughs> once in a while. Says, I bought another funny. buddy, guys. <laughs> Let me just say this about Tony Khan. So, like, we didn't watch. We didn't like review on the fly watching the Dynamite when we yeah. did the last show. Tony Khan has done so much for wrestling, he can't cut a promo. No. I bought Ring of Honor! (laughs) (laughs) You said that like you were crying through it. Like, uh, 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 cry screaming. Yeah, um, (laughs) scream cries. But, um... But the like, I, I lost my point because I was thinking about Tony Khan. Uh, so Tony Schiavone announces that it's going to be inside a steel cage. Thunder Rosa reacts like she just won the NBA championship. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. We can get off of this. Um, what is the one thing in your life that has made you react like that? Um, I I was there for the birth of both of my sons. I was there when I adopted my daughter. My wedding day. None of those things made me react like that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had a reaction that glorious to anything. Have you? Um, when the Saints went to the Super Bowl, when oh, they kicked okay, the field dude. goal in overtime. Oh, yeah, that, that was the one. I'll take it right Not here. even winning. I'm going to be honest, Jordan. Not even winning it. When we won it against the Colts, the Saints. I'm talking about the Saints, guys. <clears throat> um, I didn't even think like we could win it. I yeah. was just like, I'm just happy to be here. Okay. You know, I have, was, an, I have an immediate one then. Yeah. yeah. For me, that's sports. Okay. And it's similar to you, not winning it, but Matthew Stafford and the Rams beating Tom Brady just um, two months ago. In my house, <laughs> me and my son were the only ones home, and we flipped out. Because if you remember that game, the Rams pretty much dominated, and then Tom Brady happened. And he yeah. comes right back, and you're like, oh my God, he's going to do it to, to Stafford. Stafford's first actual playoff run, he's going to do it to him. And then Stafford chucks a bomb to Cooper Cup. And they kicked that field goal, and I well, listen, lost it. Listen, we always talk about how CM Punk is a trendsetter. Look at him. Look at Tom Brady ripping off CM Punk. <laughs> I I quit. I'm done. Ah, fuck this. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, while we were talking, I Googled uh, Thunder Rosa is uh, from San Antonio, so it's her hometown. Okay, so that match might be fun. Like, yeah. I, I, I think it's also the way it's built. I, I can't predict it for sure because there's some nice matches on that card that we'll talk about as we're going through Revolution and the and the fallout from it. But it looks like it's going to be the main event. I think it's going to go so. last. I think so, too. Because it is a steel cage match. Man, it's all built for Thunder Rosa to win, right? Like, we're going we're gonna to look pretty dumb if <laughs> people are listening to the show and they're like, nope, Britt Baker won clean. <laughs> you know, but... I feel like I feel like this is the moment, and maybe that's why they had Baker win here. You know, because they wanted to give Thunder Rosa all the spotlight, give her the main event, like you said, end the show with a the end of a big reign. Because Britt Baker's reign is pretty pretty. And that's long. where the and that's where the booking philosophy of an entirety of a show does make a difference. Like for example, mm-hmm. say Thunder Rosa wins that match at um, Revolution. She right. wins the title. She has her big moment she drops it back to Britt baker in the cage well that's a hot shot you already did a hot shot just recently with scorpio sky potentially with the tnt title do you want to do two of them like that now it seems like now you might be saturating things so i understand why they were tedious of it i think they even hot shotted with the cody thing you know taking Mm -hmm. taking it from sammy and then dropping it right back like I mean, there right. might have been extenuating circumstances there, but that's what it wound up looking like. So, 
But yeah, I think I think that um, all along, I think the plan was to have Rosa win here. But that doesn't just negate the fact that this match was just like a bore. Yeah, it was a bore. Uh, and Britt Baker is unfortunately starting to get a track record of having lousy pay per view matches. Man, uh, it felt like you were just waiting for the interference, and it yep. finally came in, and then there's a stomp, and it's over. And yep. it was like, really, we waited. 15 minutes for this yeah that's the thing like it didn't need to be 17 minutes if that's and i get where they're going okay the interference wins it again so this time she's in a cage she doesn't have her friends then do it quick you know do it in seven minutes you know and and just really hammer the fact that she can't win by herself you know you you could tell that i like i like the fact that thunder rosa even though mercedes martinez has been turned on Mm -hmm. by Britt baker and her crew that um, Thunder Rosa doesn't really have uh, an allegiance with anyone like right. female. That's uh, like it's a kind of like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, with those. Right. Things. So yeah. she has to go it alone against. Jamie. It's mainly Jamie Hater. Rebels just there for show. Yeah, Rebels. But sucks. um, <laughs> Hater Hater's the muscle. So like you got to get through her, you know. And yep. now let's see what happens with the cage. Can they try to interfere on their behalf? I'm pretty sure it's gonna not have a top on it. So. Yep. yep. We'll see. Yeah, so maybe we'll see a crazy Rosa dive to win the belt, but oh, Lordy, yeah. <laughs> don't tell that to Thunder Rosa. She loves those sloppy brawls. Like right? that's her thing. Yep, and she's she's got some really cool ring gear too, man. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing what she her, her cosplay game is. Yeah, like super, the the wife from I'll Kill Bill. That. I thought that one was awesome, and just she the colors. She dressed like Wolverine or X23. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, the colors she goes with is really cool. So. But yeah. yeah, so again, by the time this episode comes out, that match will already happened, and uh, either people are listening and laughing at us, or people are saying, "Man, these guys know everything." So, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of people who really do know everything, John Moxley and Brian Danson, two of the smartest minds in wrestling, uh, we saw the debut of an even maybe an even smarter mind with Re- William Regal. These two guys just uh, beat each other up for a while, like we thought they were gonna do. Uh, Moxley won by pinfall. Um, I'm not the first to say this. I'm sure I'm not the only one to notice. I thought it was really clever how he out-wrestled the wrestler at the end there. You know, he was getting choked and flipped into a pin. For those who didn't watch it visually, it was straight out of the Kurt Angle Undertaker match in 2006. Where Undertaker had him in the Hell's Gate or the Go-Go Plata. This one was a triangle sleeper. Yeah. And uh, he's fading. Mox is fading. And he's bleeding buckets. And – uh, and to the point that Danielson's chest is just like red yeah. and um, and he he's almost fading and then he flips it into a bridge for a pure pinfall with his shoulders. Danielson's pissed yep. and they start brawling and out comes freaking Lord William Regal. Yeah. Unbelievable. Maybe the biggest pop of the night because it was shocking. Yeah. No one's it coming. Yeah. And he comes out and basically goes Antonio Noki on them and just. Hard slaps them both in the face, and they both are just like puppies that got caught in the trash, you know, like all sheepish, you know. <laughs> and he, you know, and he just makes them shake hands, and they do. And then on Dynamite, they team up and kill some dudes. And William Regal gives a promo. Now, way back at the beginning of our episode, you talked about how some things sometimes when things aren't scripted, you know, go a little long and stuff. William Regal actually tweeted an apology. He's like, I'm so sorry. I went over time. I, I was just so excited to have a promo for the first time. <laughs> it's like well, the nicest thing was, I've ever he's heard. He's a very, for those, for, for those who've seen him in interviews, like, he's so influential. Every younger wrestler or even veteran wrestlers like a Brian Daniels, they looked up to Regal because he was like yeah. a catch wrestler and a shoot style wrestler who was like super tough. And a lot of his matches in his early days were in his style. 
people in the in the British scene was like very influential, but he's also a very emotional guy. Right. You know, he's he wears his heart on his sleeve. So Tony Schiavone's in the ring, dude. Like the reunion with Tony Schiavone for some of these people, it's like when they see Andy Cohen on Bravo. Like <laughs> they literally, they they like they like, they literally like they want to cry when they see them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like 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 Big Brother when they're finally out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> like the loved just, ones like, visit on Survivor. They just want to like smile and spill their guts. I don't know if it's kayfabe. I really don't think it is. No, but, I like, don't. If you sting Cody, um, I'm trying to think of some other people who came back through that new Shivani from WCW and NWA. But when they see him, it's like wholesome. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm home. And yep. like that, that's that's kind of how it felt. Then they, he gets into his promo. He's kind of stumbling through the narrative. Yeah. And it did feel a little weird where he was going with it. And I kind of I, – I, I It felt like he didn't finish it. I th- yeah, I feel yeah, like he yeah. figured out he was it's long on time because he spent a lot of time on on Danielson and then like sped through Moxley, <laughs> you know. Yeah, called him a, basically called him a wild man. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, some of the stuff he said about Danielson was so cool. He's like he called him the perfect wrestler, and he said he's the wrestler that he could never be because of his own problems. You know, uh, and yep. then he turned to Moxley goes and you, and I thought he was going to say you've got the same problems as me, which could have taken a dark turn. But you yes. know, he basically says, you know, he's the perfect fighter, you know, the perfect wild yeah. man, you know, um, really cool kickoff to, I don't know if it's going to be a stable or just these two dudes killing everybody. I don't know. Yeah. I, and that's the intrigue. I, it's like, we are at the infancy of it. Listen, I'm, so, I'm it, all for it, like, it's like, it's like when the in, inner circle started on that first episode of dynamite and you didn't know yet, yeah. but you do something. Yep. And people were interested in it, and that's what I think really helped the popularity of the inner circle with this one. You don't need you don't need Horace Hogan. Right. You don't need a bunch of young boys right. or Daniel Garcia's or Wheeler Yudas. You got those two dudes just beat the fuck out of people. Side note, the the team they wrestled was that was their debut as a tag team. It was Anthony Henry yep. and uh, JD Drake. They called them the Workhorsemen. Yeah. So what's your cool name, act? by the way? <laughs> what's your warm up act? John Moxley and Brian Danielson. <laughs> like, Listen, that's like if you and me are in the YMCA shooting hoops, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving show up, and they want to get a game in. Um, and we're, um, no, we're on the, we're not at the level below you. We're on the level below the level below the level below you. Right. <laughs> like, um, no. And yeah, they got the shit kicked out of them. I, I will say too. Uh, obviously, they're not anywhere on that same level. JD Drake, though. He's a good wrestler. Like I've seen him yeah, live at Evolve. Evil. I remember I saw him wrestle Austin Theory. Yeah. And it was a good match. Yeah, he, he's he's an Evolve mainstay. I don't know that there's a place for him like full time, like on TV all the time. But man, he he's really good at taking a beating and stuff. Um, yeah. But listen, I'm I'm the type that like I like the AEW. One thing I like about AEW is their title reigns matter. You know, uh, we've had four world champions in like three years. You know, the TNT title maybe a little bit. Too much passing around, but not really. But I'll say this: put the tag titles on these guys right away. Like, just have them okay. just destroy the Jungle Boy. Two man power trip, or yeah, is this yeah. more akin to like um, the Doctor Dusty Williams and Terry Gordy in Japan? Like, yeah, what I would think you it's like, like that, like the miracle violence, which you you in the notes. Like, just have them. I think I think you put the belts on them, and I think you just sit and wait until you've come up with an idea of who to beat. Because here's the thing about these guys. Even if you don't have a story, if you just say, "Hey guys, go out and wrestle for eleven minutes," it's gonna be freaking awesome. You know? yeah. <laughs> and if you look, and if you look at it from the narrative perspective of the feud that they, they had going into it, of like J- Danielson wants to open him up to 
to like how violence can connect people. Yeah. Danielson kind of won the feud because he did lose the match, but but, but they're connected. Moxley, yeah. <laughs> Moxley connected with him, yeah. and 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 Regal was the peace. Well, I guess you could call it the peacekeeper. But um, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, the idea is, I guess, like like almost like a Fight Club thing where it's like we hate each other. We want to brutalize each other, but we're just as good as brutalizing other people because we have the same mentality. Right. So it's really – it's going to be a really fun thing. I don't think they need to expand it. I don't think that's going to be the idea. Um, yeah. But I do like this idea of how it's like – like when the NWO started, what made them really, really work and DX was that there were two to three people. And yep. they were – And top elite. dogs. Yeah, top yes. dogs. Yep. Elite, no pun intended. Yep. And what if you had two – but they're the most overacts in the company, which go look at the YouTube hits. They well, except for the Hardys. <laughs> they, right. they are they are in Hardys, um, you uh, say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Did Rebby well, debut? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, it's Matt Harvey from the New York Mets. <laughs> yeah. But um or Jeff Harvey as yeah. Mike Adamly called him. Steve Harvey, but, um, family feud. <laughs> Jeff Harvey. But um like talent wise, like right on the top. Like they're almost like an evolution of NWO and Bullet Club, where it's like, yeah, we're the we're the cream of the crop as a faction. Yep. But we're better than you. We're main eventers, and we can literally do whatever we want, and we'll never have to give anything back. But those guys are so selfless; they will give back. Yeah. Like that. That's what makes that one yep. really. That, that's why I say put the belt on them right now, because let them dominate. Let them dominate, yep. and they'll they'll put somebody over clean as a sheet, and it'll be awesome when it happens. You know, like when somebody finally beats him, and maybe it's maybe it's Jurassic Express. You know, they they get the crap kicked out of him, they lick their wounds, and they go into training, and they come back six months down the road at All Out 2022. May, may, that might even be early, but you know, and uh, and and they get the win back. Man, I think I think that this could be something really, really awesome, really entertaining television. And what I think is cool about it too is I think a lot of us kind of expected that they would. St- team up but maybe like uh the wacky tag partners that don't get along type thing i think the right. regal factor makes that a little unique in the sense that i don't think like moxley's gonna turn on danielson no or, it's a galvanizing you know. factor yep. it's that is the that is the unifier yeah like he's got so a hold on them almost there. you know right yeah right. so uh i think it'll be really interesting and i don't think we'll see any seeds of that for a while but yeah, this this is really awesome. This is where and they're AEW not going to pitch all those two either. Like, say for example, Moxley tails off into a feud with Archer. You can do that. At, like, this is an all Japan thing. Like, yeah. Masao team up with Kabashi. They'd have they'd be this cohesive tag team that would run try to get the uh the tag team the tag win the tag team tournament. Well, if while they don't he's the win world it, champ, guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If they don't win it, guess what? We go singles again and we dominate the singles. Yep. Like that's. <laughs> Like that's why I really think this is going to be unique and really fun. Yeah, and all three of them can talk. Um, I think Regal is really going to enjoy his role here, and I love that he's not just an authority figure. He's he's there for a purpose. Uh, I think it's interesting. Do you think it's interesting? He's called William Regal. Yeah. The th- the only, the one thing that was that I noticed from Tony Khan in the media scrum, which uh which was all yeah, audio, yeah. Oh, yeah. is it, is that he kept calling him Lord right. Regal. So I don't know if that was on purpose. I see. I read a rumor. I also, I also like I I also liked what he did with Tony when he was uh, messing with his uh, his tie because he used to do that all the time yep. with Tony on WCW. I read <laughs> I a rumor that, that he was going to be going by Butch Regal. <laughs>
I mean, does that not sum up the differences between the two companies right there? You look at these three and what they're doing with them, and then you look at this poor Pete Dunn. And like, and you they, know what I say? And you know what I say, Pete Dunn? The same thing that you have to say to a stop Ollie. You signed the deal. Yeah, exactly. You signed the deal. This there's people the who are defending it and saying, "Oh, you know what? It's just a name change. You get used to it." Yeah, we will. And there's people saying, "Well, you know what? He's still on the roster." Yeah, he is. But if you don't get why bringing Pete Dunn out as the third act of a trio and just calling him Butch is is a huge miss. I don't know that you ever yeah, will there, get there, it. There's a difference between like Baron Corbin making something out of acting like he's a poor person, sure, which I thought was a really funny gimmick. And Pete oh, Dunn, if, Greg, if Greg Phillips is listening, he's longing for the days of poor man Corbin to return. <laughs> and Pete Dunn pretending to be a Green Street hooligan. Right. Like there's a difference because because. Dunn's is more like, oh, I have to do this to get on TV, whereas with Corbin, it's like he got a bunch of chances, and they and they didn't work, so he tried something different, and it got over. Right. Like, that's different. This doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like, oh, let's see if it gets over. It's more like, watch this die on a vine. Right. Well, and you know? even, too, like, again, I think we've done a good job, 14 episodes, of not just crapping on WWE, but I think right. what makes something like this so bad, like, I didn't watch it, but I read I read the re- results. And apparently Seamus introduced him and said, you might know him by another name, but we know him as Butch. Why? How, why, do you call, <laughs> why do you know him as Butch? From where? Because anyone who watches your show, Seamus, has seen this guy in another company for three years. Why? Where do you call him Butch? It's so gonna, is, is insulting. Is he going to be herding sheep too? <laughs> Hey, yeah, so oh my God. they need to bring in Walter, I mean Gunther next week and call him Luke. <laughs> just really just blow up everyone's brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Luke and next? Butch, the Bushwhackers 2.0. So I don't I don't think the Bushwhackers were on Revolution though. Yeah, I don't think so, but I don't th- let me check and see if they're all lead on Twitter real quick. Um, no, but uh, let me say this: the sheep herders in the day had some crazy violent matches. Oh yeah, they were so uh, bloody back the, then. The 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 Fantastics wasn't their name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Yeah. Well, this one was wild. This yeah. next match was wild. Yeah, and this was one that we talked about. You know, the preview. I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know that this really needs to be on the show. I thought this could have been bumped to the to the buy-in. But yeah, Darby, Sammy, and Sting taking on uh, the Andrade Hardy family office. They a HFO, maybe the worst stable name in wrestling, um, which was Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. Um, is this it's just a tornado match? Uh, the best comparison I heard it compared to was the the Chicago Street Fight from WrestleMania 13, which went after Austin versus Brett, which was um, yeah the Legion of Doom and Ahmed yeah. Johnson versus the Nation of Domination. Yeah, yep. I heard a lot of comparisons there. Uh, this is all kinds of wild, just like you'd expect. But, Andrew, if I had told you last week that I got a hold of the booking sheet and somebody was going to do a dive off the entrance through three tables, you wouldn't have thought it was going to be Sting, which... <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Good so, Lord. Like, and we've seen... Head, look, every two-week stretch that we record, there's head droppers. There's crazy moves that we love. And, I mean, I can name drop a, a bunch of them that I just randomly saw. But nothing will take the cake. Like sixty-year-old oh, Sting jumping off a ramp into a triple stack of tables. Oh. Are you shitting me? It was insane. You know? Darby Allen's like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, he was in. Le- I think he was in legitimate shock. It is a. And you just mentioned Darby. Can you believe that we had a six-man 
where the winning team, <laughs> the one who did the least dangerous bump, right. was Darby Allen. Yeah, because right before Sting's dive, Sam did that crazy. This was brutal yeah. with oh. Isaiah Cassidy. Yeah. Yes. Oh. It was a Spanish fly from a like a like a structure on yep. the entryway into a table on the ramp, and they flew. Yeah, I mean they went down about seven feet or eight feet, brutal. And it made a night like we always talk. We would just talk about how audible noises make things hurt more. Yeah. Um, this one sounded like a car crash. Yeah, it was. You know? It was. Rough. I didn't have to say this about the production. Um, I know Keith Mitchell's retired. I did not see a single mess up in the production of the show. Not yeah. a single. No, they they didn't miss any of the most important. The important stuff was seen, uh, and sometimes they do miss it on Dynamite here and there. Um, oh but, yeah, but on the pay per view, not at all. Yeah, because we're live, pal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a what a wild match! Like, and it's almost like. Maybe because they went on second to last, they're just watching everything else behind the curtain, and they're just like, "Oh man, we got we got to do something." You think Sting's like, "I got an idea." <laughs> you know, like, what if it comes out that Sting improvised that spot on the fly? <laughs> he had a um, he had an article in the Players Tribune. Oh, awesome! Where it was a testimonial article where he basically talked about how being in AEW has reinvigorated him as a wrestler, yeah. it gave him a final act in his career. Yeah. So I I don't feel like it's like. Listen, let's just call a spade a spade. It's not a Paul White situation where it's like, no. I'm just happy to be here, guys. Sting wants to be involved. Sting wants to be relevant. And Sting does not want to embarrass himself. Right. But he's also not and he's not delusional enough to think, I need to have 30-minute broadways because I'm Sting. Right. Like, he knows where he knows exactly where to hit the right spot. That's where I think he's – I mean, he's always been a beloved – uh, fan favorite, but he's he has a really good understanding of like where he fits in certain molds, and if he does something that's really out of the ordinary, boy, people are gonna react, right. and that that one really really worked. Whereas he did things at TNA that were kind of crazy and weird, but because it was TNA and it had the stigma, nobody saw yeah, like Joker like, Sting, and yeah, yeah, like like look at you, you're making an ass of yourself, you're ruining your legacy. I feel like Sting is like sealing his legacy. I think so too, yeah, and. I I think that yeah. might be like his goal because if you read that Players Tribune article, he talked about you know how really at his peak, you know uh, when he was the face versus the NWO, I mean he was battling all kinds of addictions, all kinds of personal struggles, so he probably didn't have the time to you know you you know when you're doing well in life, you know whether it's in your career or school or just personal goals you hit it you know you have that time to be like yes you know like you really. Mm-hmm bask Keith Lee to bask in your own glory you know what I mean and right Sting at his peak as a performer when the fans loved him the most probably hated himself the most yeah Um, not to turn it inwards but like yeah when I made when I had the highest paid job in in my life that was the saddest I ever was sure because because I mean I'm not going to get into the details but it just has to do with the responsibility that's upon you for a higher paying job the um the pressure that's on you to deliver based off of your pay scale and the fact that you a lot of people are just looking over your shoulder like oh you're the highest paid person here nobody or whatnot and like the, it, it's not a great feeling and it's not all about me and how much you're paid it's just about you know it's also about life and you know he professional wrestling is just a really really brutal industry for work for for professional wrestlers when it comes yep. to like painkillers drugs yep. uh alcohol being on the road all the time not seeing your family it's 
it's super hard. And when you see people like Sting still there and being able to, you know, make something out of a, a career that they don't have to finish off, it's really great. But he was so involved in this. It was a, it was a fast paced match. Like yeah. Darby does a Darby takes out Jose the assistant, who I hate. So when he but he killed him with the trash can with the with the with the dive. I liked it. Then Andrade comes right behind him and just whacks the shit out of him with a chair. Yeah. So like it did not like the pace did not stop. Right. Yeah. Um. So Sting, Darby, and uh, Sammy won that match. Uh. Here, here's what happened with them in the fall. Sammy goes on to lose the TNT title on. Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to lose the title on Dynamite to Scorpio Sky, uh, which. Um, I kind of predicted. I think I told you that I thought that might happen because I didn't think they wanted to do Wardlow versus Sammy because you want Wardlow. Dan Lambert and the men of the year had been talking a whole lot about gold for the last two months. Yep, and he spoke it into existence in your words, you know. Um, And I think that's smart, you know, because the Wardlow match is coming, and I don't think they wanted to put Sammy or Wardlow in a position where the crowd had to pick a side. So no one's going to cheer for Scorpio Sky over Wardlow. Um so, you know, that's what happened to me. You know, he's no longer the champion right now. Uh, then we've got, um, I think where Sammy's headed, though, is uh, a mixed tag match uh, because uh, him and Ty Conti were revealed on screen to be uh, a, a couple. Uh, and, uh, gosh, what's... Yeah. Paige Van Zant came out and signed her contract on Ty Conti's butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, Paige Van Zant's been involved yeah. uh, with, like, like kind of loosely, like, same way with Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. But... She officially signed, so now she's in the fold. Yeah, so I did see her. I did see her husband. Um, I I didn't even know because I'm not an MMA guy. His name is Austin Vanderford. Was he a good fighter? I don't know. I, I know that he was on a couple months back when they had the feud where the inner circle picked the opponents and they just trashed that guy as like the nobody. Yeah, so I, I don't I'm think not he good. was. Like I remember when Ronda Rousey came out with Travis Brown. I'm like. Who's that? Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's so it's so weird. I like. I'll give you. This is like super off topic, but we'll get back. We'll get back there. Um, when Tyson Fury showed up on that first SmackDown on Fox, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, Jordan, and I might be just in a cave. I didn't know who he was. No. Like legit. Like I knew the like, name Tyson Fury, but like if you were show me a picture, I'd be like, I don't know who that is. They had to right. say it's Tyson and, Fury. And sometimes yeah. there's that disconnect with like the outside stuff. But sure. Paige Van Zandt seems like she, she's got a good look. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in the ring, she's really she's learning really I think well. She's got a big social media presence too. I think she's got a lot of Instagram followers and stuff. Yeah, um, and Taikani, that's nice. I like the narrative. I keep saying that word today. I'm. I hope yeah. I'm controlling it. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on um, of the uh, of the match because the inner circle, like you said at the top, is done, finished. Right. Sammy Sammy already put his vest down in yep. an earlier promo yep. where he's like, "I'm done with this," and uh, I'm still boys with uh, LAX or Proud and Powerful, but done with this. He so he's on his own. Yep. The men of the year are getting him when he's coming off of a crazy match where he took a huge bump. Yep. And they are they, they he Sammy takes a chance. Because he's loco, and he—I think he did—he tried to do a, a four fifty on a table and he missed. I think, and uh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. It's so, so, something that you and I can normally do, and uh, <laughs> and uh, so he gets hurt. Taikani on the during the picture in picture is trying to help him out. I don't want to—I don't want to stop the match. I want to keep going. Interference galore behind the referee's back. It was a really nice narrative because Sammy truly, from a character standpoint, 
And he's also not tight with Darby Allen and Singh, really, because they literally just wrestled each other on Rampage right. uh, in a great match with Andrade in a three-way. So he's on his own. And so when he drops the title, the TNT title, Scorpio Sky, Scorpio had a ton of help. He had a ton of advantages in his favor. But you can't fault him for taking advantage of it because yep. Sammy didn't. Yep. You know, it made sense. And uh, Scorpio Sky winning is, um, you know, we talked a while back about, you know, with the whole Big Swole thing and the representation and uh, their, mm-hmm. their use of African-American wrestlers and stuff like that. I think that they have – I don't want to say they've corrected course because, I'm. first of all, we're not the person people to make that decision. But just think about what we've talked about tonight. Now they've got Scorpio Sky as a champion, and it doesn't feel forced like, see, we've got a black champion. I, I don't think it feels like that at all. That, but, was, that was Booker T. Right. They, when Booker T got the title, Sonny Ono and yep. I think – who was that guy? Hard, hard work Bobby Walker? Yep. Yep. There was a big lawsuit about racial discrimination. They thought that was basically going to nip it in the bud. Yep. So – Again, by the time we this episode comes out, uh, Scorpio's guy might not be a champion anymore. But you know, he won a title. You've got Keith Lee. You've got um, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs is doing stuff. Jade Cargill is a champion. I think they are trying to correct those issues, um, and I think they're doing it in a way that they're not saying, "Look what we're doing," which is the right yeah. way to do it. Uh, grand, grandstanding. Yeah, yeah. They're just putting these guys on TV and letting them get over. You know. Um, which I, I think probably is the complaint some of these people had, you know, like I, I can get over, you know, you don't need another white dude. Put me out there, you know? Yeah. So, well, not only that, the, 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 I think sometimes when it comes to these angles, I'm not in the, I'm not backstage. I don't know what's going sure, on, Sure. but sometimes when you have, when you're a star, like, and it built into the roster because those stars had built themselves up. They're mostly white. Let's be real. Like yep. CM Punk and yep. the Young Bucks and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. So when they're a bigger star, you see it with um, you see it in the WWE all the time, like a Brock Lesnar. You don't need scripts. You don't need people telling you what they want you to say. You can give them better direction of what you would like to do. And the boss is more willing to say it because you're a star and you're going to get your way. The mid-carters that you just mentioned and the people trying to find their way up, like the Powerhouse Hobbses and the Ricky Starks and the Dante Martins, like they don't have that um, leniency yet. Mm-hmm. But maybe this is sort of an opening up. Or, or the agency, op- yeah. Yeah, or like to say, hey, let's give you the opportunity and it, like Dante did when um, Darius, uh, who just came back actually. And was awesome um, in his comeback. Yeah, top flight right back in it. Yep. But um, when he was singles, it was like, okay, this guy might have a push coming. Yep. Um, and he still might. We'll see. Yep. But, like, Powerhouse Hobbs, you know, he's getting more ring time and mic time. Like, they're getting a little more leniency to just kind of, like, show off what they can do and what they can be and not feel too controlled. Like, Warlow's different because Warlow, I feel like, was something that I, was I very they're, they're keeping packaged. the gloves on with Warlow. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. That's different. I, I don't think that's for every black wrestler, male or female. I, I think it depends on where the crowd's going with it. It depends on how much heat brother the story has <laughs> and where, where the blow off is gonna go and you, you know, know what i think is really cool too though is like i i, th- I think powerhouse Hobbs is a great example he's been given a couple promos and he's been given a couple matches keith lee obviously has debuted you know you've got these african-american wrestlers who are now getting little these moments and they're delivering which is awesome yes. because it's when, it's when that, Hobbs it's, does that sideways smile it looks yeah. so sinister yeah. i love it like they're they're proving 
you know, yeah, we can, we can hang. You don't have to push us just to be, for lack of a better term, the token minority guy. You can push me because I'm awesome, and that's awesome. Right. That's great to see. Yeah. So, and they, and listen, <clears throat> we all we, we talk all the time about how loaded the roster is. It's yep. good to see people like Hobbs, people like Starks, even you know, um, <clears throat> even people like um, not not like wrestlers, wrestlers that you're not as familiar with, not necessarily black or. Um, or sure, minority, sure. just just wrestlers that you're not as familiar with move up. Jay White moving on up and uh, shining through because they're – Trent Beretta, like, because they're just really good at what they do Season, and they connect. Yep, yep, Max yep. Caster, yep. like that's another guy. He's not a great wrestler, but man, he connects with the crowd. Yep. Like he really does. I think Bowens does too in a different way. Yeah. Like Bowens has that charisma that he doesn't give the promos. He's he's the the Billy Gunn to Catcher's Road Dog. You know the, like, the thing that's really fascinating about Bowens is that he's openly gay, but his character. Well, is I didn't huge. know that. I did not yeah, know that. Mm. Yeah, he's um, he is openly gay, but and but that's I think that's why they do the V thing. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, I'm like, well, interesting that that's what they go with. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but but he is, and like, there's actually a there's there's a great bit where. Uh, he and his boyfriend went to um, – and listen, your convictions are your convictions. I thought this was funny. Is that they had one of those anti-gay rallies, and he, he kisses his boyfriend right in front of the guys with the sign. Scrawny little white guy. Yeah, like, probably because yeah, he could beat the crap out of him. It's like, yeah, I dare you to fight this dude. Right. But, um, and Bowens is getting better all the time. Like I, I said, agree. when we were talking about the Lucha – the not the luchas oh i'm crazy the jungle the i'm crazy again we're live pal the <laughs> jurassic express match like he's really innovative and yep. he has a great look and he's yep. strong but he plays a heel on character but like he like as a person like i would love to see a guy like that get an opportunity right. uh as as time goes by but yeah yeah the, there's more opportunities for for black wrestlers for sure uh scorpio sky there the kayfabe for him was that he basically hadn't been beaten as a singles wrestler in a yeah, year they called it title versus streak is what they called it right and um i totally forgot about this but he does the snap at the end of the promos where the camera goes to black which i think is cool yeah um it's promos and i, I so, honestly hope that as we record i hope that he somehow escape finagles his way to yep. get the win yeah because yep. wardlow doesn't need a belt you know wardlow doesn't need a belt so uh, mjf's obviously gonna gonna get involved somehow so why not screw wardlow you know and, and i would i would say powerbomb all ego ethan page five times in a row and sky <laughs> escapes yeah that'd be awesome yeah. yeah so um so that's that's the fallout of that but then there's a bigger fallout in some guys involved in this because uh, as a result of losing uh, Andrade and the A-H-F-Q-P-R-G-L-M, <laughs> Roman numeral seven, <laughs> had a intervention for Matt Hardy where what, they... What, what, was, what was that? What was that? What was that crazy celebrity sex cult in California? Uh, Keith Raniere, what was that thing called? It had like eight Roman numerals yeah. in it. <laughs> uh, He's in jail. He's in jail for a hundred years, so yeah, fuck right. him. Which is uh, <laughs> C, Roman numeral C, what is it, 100? <laughs> <laughs> He's in jail for C years, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So yeah, the AHFO, the AFO, is no more. We have now the AFO because Matt Hardy got the thumbs down behind yep. his back from Private Party. Yep. So Matt Hardy gets jumped by Private Party, Butcher the Blade, and Andrade. They're putting the boots to him. Darby and Sting come out to help him. They get overwhelmed. There's just not enough people there to help Matt Hardy. 
And then familiar music hits. Uh, the Hardy Boys music plays. Um, or as I always knew it as the Sports Center uh, highlight. <laughs> yeah. And man, like I always like I don't know if you ever heard it before, but like Lex Luger's music in WCW. I hear it all the time. ESPN. I'm like, yeah. where's is that Lex Luger? <laughs> yeah, WCW, WCW's music was always funny to me because like Dean Malenko's music used to be on a lot of stuff too, and yeah, then. Fox. It was box music. Yeah, yes. and what's funny too is I remember watching an old Nitro once, and it was oh, was it Pat Tanaka? I think it was Pat Tanaka came out for a match on Nitro, and his theme music is playing. It's going do 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 dude. It was Goldberg's music before Goldberg ever debuted. <laughs> well, you know that had with Del, the late Del Wilkes, rest in peace. Uh, he had the he had Kurt Angle's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you see the Patriot come out, you're like. Is that Bret Hart versus Kurt? Oh, it's just you suck. But uh, <laughs> no, you truly no. Right, <laughs> Don Wilkes was a great wrestler. Not a fan of Justin Rosero. If Justin is listening to this later yeah, in the episode, uh, Justin, I think I think Justin got blocked on Twitter by the Patriots. <laughs> uh, how, how are we going to unblock that one? Yeah. But um, but yeah, Jeff Hardy comes out, big ovation, huge yep. pop. Everyone expected it. Uh, got a got. I'll tell you the hits in on YouTube in a second, just to give you the idea of the popularity of this. But he does the crazy vibe Hardy dance while <laughs> well, Matt is while his brother's being out of it. He's like, I gotta dance a little bit. Just so little unintentionally bit. funny. Yeah. So Matt comes in, clears house, uh, or Jeff comes in, clears house. Matt hits a twist of fate on somebody. Uh, I can't remember. I, I want to say maybe probably, a, probably Mark Quinn. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Uh, then we see a Swanton and Matt and Jeff hug, and it was it was an emotional. You could see the emotion in both of them. Like it was like, oh, this is awesome. Well, remember, well, remember, Jordan, when Matt went, Matt went without Jeff. Yep. Because their contracts were off key. Yep. You know, Jeff had signed an extension, and Jeff and Matt didn't. So when Matt left in early twenty and took the chance to go to AEW, um, they didn't go together. Yep. So, and I know there's some controversy about, oh, Jeff was sort of uh, sandbagging it and pretending he had a problem to get out of his WWE contract. Well, I'm not getting into that stuff. At the end of the all day, all I know is that, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, all I know is that Jeff was relegated to feuding with Sheamus over his drinking problem, and Sheamus' his friend Butch. Yeah, and having his earlobe pulled out by Randy Orton. Yeah, that was so yeah. gross. Ugh. <laughs> like, I mean, listen, Jeff Hardy, like from a just physically, just looking at him on the screen, he looks great. Yeah. Matt Hardy is like gold dust. Like he he seems to gain and lose weight in a matter of days. Like yeah. depending on what he's wearing and like how he feels, it's so weird. I uh, I have a confession. I'm a 42 year old man. I watch TikTok every day. Like I'm <laughs> more than I should. And one of the TikTok has an algorithm. It kind of knows what you like and what you watch more. Like if they you, do. And, My uh, YouTube does. Yeah, yeah. One of the accounts that pops up for me a lot is Rebby Hardy, uh, Matt's wife. And she's got some cool stuff. And th- just totally cool side story. Uh, she had a TikTok where they were out to dinner or something in you know Cameron, North Carolina, somewhere around their hometown. And they saw a local wrestling show at a high school and they stopped in. Could you imagine being at a show? You know, one of those shows with like 60 people. You know, it's those Yeah, I dudes. went to an Impact pay-per-view that had 60 <laughs> God damn it, Impact Wrestling. I guess you're going to be my surrogate for not going to Dynamite. But but, <laughs> but so they go to this show, and just imagine being one of those shows that we've all been to as wrestling fans. Like, nobody's any good. You know, it's either guys who are just starting or guys who've been there for 30 years and never got – and then Matt Hardy shows up in the ring. It's such a cool moment, I thought. You know, totally 
random thing that just popped in my head is that it's um, it's that I've had that. I mean, I'm in the '90s when they had indie shows. It would be just a bunch of local guys and one star. Yep. I remember one. I remember in my hometown there was one with Brian Knobs. Then there was mm-hmm. one with Jake Roberts who um was not himself. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> oh, that was like, himself, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Matt Hardy, like he's he's involved. He just started a podcast with John Alba. Shout out to John Alba, cool guy. And so, like, so well, he's staying connected, and Jeff is now with him. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that I found fascinating when I did the research leading into today's show. Um, the Jeff Hardy debut video right now, at this moment, about two and a half million hits on views on YouTube. For those who want to make a comparison of that, the, the CM Punk uh, MJF uh, first promo was – right now is at four million. Yeah. And that was – Three months ago, I have to so, resign myself to the fact that like Jeff Hardy's not there for me. Like I'm not a big Jeff Hardy guy. I don't think I really ever was. I, no, I'm but not, that does speak to the mainstream. That, about, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like I have to understand like, appeal, that like right. I'm I'm the minority there in that like I'm not thrilled to see Jeff, but I totally understand Jeff Hardy's still a big name. Jeff Hardy yeah. is like one of those characters that just like to me maybe. I don't know who would be bigger step, but Rob Van Dam's the same way. Like Rob Van Dam, anytime he shows up, people are gonna freaking lose their minds. Like I don't know why they could be. They gone have forever. an affinity. They have an affinity for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like maybe it's a generational thing. Like people and grew even, up with even Jeff Hardy. Bigger, you know, even bigger names don't have that. Like I'm about uh, listen. All credit to Triple H for the career he's had. He's had a great career regardless of his involvement with WWE. But I don't think people have like this. I don't feel like people have this like undying affinity for Triple H. Right. Like when he shows up for a match or shows up at a show, it's not like, man, I'm gonna go to that show or I'm gonna watch that show just so I can see Triple H. Whereas with Punk, for sure, with um with Jeff Hardy, you mentioned Rob Van Dam, that's a good one. even Paul Heyman. Like there's there's certain people that like people watch the show just to watch them. You know, and I get the mainstream appeal. You know what I liken it to, Jordan? I liken it to like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the DC Cinematic Universe. So yeah. you get big names. If they went out there and really wanted to do Shakespeare, they could win an Oscar. Or they could really go for it and do something really daring. If you go to Marvel, it doesn't mean and do like a role like Kate Blanchett did Thor. So but right. here's the thing. If you really like want to make it something unique you can make it great um and still have that appeal as long as you play the role that you want to play and at the same time be able to appeal to the masses by being part of this gigantic mainstream promotion with big names so my my concern would be can the hardys and jeff hardy as a singles still kind of compete on that level so that he can have entertaining and well-worked matches with the AEW talent, my guess would be yes. I think yeah. that they could probably do some great stuff. Yeah. And I mean, even if it's like a, I don't want to say a farewell tour, but just like put him in the ring with everybody. Like we talked, I don't know if we talked early in the show or before we went on air, like Private Party apparently were such big Hardy Boys fans growing up that they, they would cosplay as the Hardy Boys. You think those guys don't <laughs> are dying to get in the ring with them? You think they won't make Jeff and Matt look like a million bucks? That's what um, Sting said in his article uh, that he did for the Players' Tribune where people literally come up to him and say, I literally took a picture in front of you when I was a nine-year-old dressed in Sting makeup. Right, the people exactly. who were in the main event of the AEW show. Exactly, it's yeah. so awesome. So, but yeah, so uh, we got one more match to discuss from Revolution. <laughs> uh, Woo. 
Main event, and listen, Revolution was a great show, but it also felt like this, didn't it? It was, it was a lot of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, it was It was a very loaded look. Uh, I'm, we're not the observer. Right. But if you look at Meltzer's ratings, I mean... <clears throat> nuts. How highly he rated this. Right. Uh, main event, Hangman Adam Page defended his title, defeated Adam Cole by pinfall. Uh, I, I heard this almost as a critique... Where someone called it a takeover main event, you know, like the, in the takeover style, like the Gargano. I don't think that's a critique at all. I think that. Yeah, I was joking about that at the start. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, but I heard other people say that almost like critically, like, oh, they did an NXT takeover match. I'm like, yeah, but NXT takeover is awesome. So, <laughs> you know, um, gosh, I, I don't really know what to say about this match since we're so far into the show, other than it delivered a lot. Uh, Hangman did not bleed. Which uh, stunned me to no end. I cannot believe Hangman Page <laughs> did not bleed. Uh, what I did, what I did, what I did like is to wrap a bow around the whole week. Yeah. Um, for Revolution, when with him announcing that they signed, that they purchased Ring of Honor, is that when is that even though there was interference and it was very similar to the like I said to the Gargano match they had years ago with Cole, um, Hangman still comes out with the win. He gets the lariat or the um the buckshot lariat. And he shakes he shakes Adam Cole's hand as like the sign the code of honor, which I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool too. Um, uh, you had mentioned to me that Battle of the Belts two uh, a rematch would be really nice here because uh, they don't appear to be done. You know, kind of going with what happened next. Uh, you know. Yeah, and you know that first one we talked about was a stinker. Yeah. And so I wonder. The first one being first Battle crazy. of the Belts, not Maybe their first this... match. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let me clarified the first battle of the belts the main the main event was dr Britt baker dmd versus riho and it was it was okay and also sammy and dustin because cody got covid and um and it was okay but it wasn't great and it didn't feel special what feels more special than like let's say a 30 minute iron man match between hangman adam page and adam cole or like a 60 minute right. iron man match right. that would be pretty cool yeah yeah that was awesome uh that would be really Really awesome um and i think they gotta deliver a battle of the belts too because like you said the first one stunk so bad it was just it we we were like oh man this could be a new japan crossover show we had like all this speculation and then it was just like nothing it was just rampage but all the time yeah, it was just another tacked on that they yeah it was weird so the the dynamite did i guess there's a stipulation there that for the six the trios match where cole and um the jurassic expressor against uh uh, Cole and the Red Dragon. I heard that they were calling themselves the Undisputed Originals, but that's not been confirmed yet. Mm, okay. Um, but um, but uh, I I could see Cole winning that one, getting a pinfall on Page in a yep. tag situation. I can say, see that too. I need a rematch. We have a rematch. Yep. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that as well, and, and I think that's a natural progression. Um, and again, like I said, we've I've talked about this for three episodes now. I think this is all building to Kenny's return, uh, and the Bucks and Adam officially getting shoved off uh you know I, the bucks are kind of cooling on adam page you know the bucks are kind of like kind of like uh you know when friends get in a fight and oh i hate you forever and then you're kind of like oh, yeah but you were my friend you know yeah <laughs> they're kinda... not um they're, they're they're not aggressively like going after him they're not trying to steal right. the title they're... off him they're more like nah i'll let a sleeping dog lie right you know it's kind of like a hey we, we cowboy we must this, this you know how they say hogan must pose cowboy must shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at with this. That could be a um, T-shirt. Also, a cameo, a cameo in the buy-in by Don Callis. 
where he yeah. wanted to basically do the Paul Heyman thing where he wanted to remind everybody of how great Kenny Omega is and how Adam Cole will be a great transitional champion. So For that Kenny was Kenny Omega. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So it's something that you had talked about before um, in terms of future possible feuds. That looks like where we're going. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, which kind of leads to probably like a blood and guts match, I think, uh, seems to make sense with all that, where you have like Cole and maybe Jay White and Red Dragon against Kenny and Paige and the Bucks. That could be insane, man. Like, Do you want to know how loaded that roster is, Jordan? Hmm. Jay White wasn't on the show. Right. <laughs> or Dynamite. <laughs> it's, just, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. So. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, I, I thought we would kind of uh, skim over a couple other things. We're almost two hours in, so listen, if you fast-forwarded to get to near the end, this is what we'll tell you. Revolution was awesome. Go watch it if you didn't. Dynamite After Revolution was, was frantic. It was worth a watch. The Rampage After Revolution, you could skip. <laughs> eh, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it was... Now, the Rampage match, the night was live. Uh, pal, the night before, or the two nights before Revolution, oh, I mentioned already. Title match? The, yeah. the, the TNT title match between Sammy Guevara, who at the time was the champion, Darby Allen Andrade is a wonderful match. Yeah, I would definitely stuff. go out of my way to watch that. That's great stuff. And the um the the the, the match where he dropped the title to Scorpio is a great story. Right. Uh, let's do this, Andrew. Um, we I gave you an idea earlier today. We'll we'll end the show with you know ten fifteen minutes discussion on this. Uh, big news in wrestling okay. this week is not AEW, um, but is the loss of Scott Hall. Scott Hall passed away uh, kind of abruptly. I mean, anyone who's known wrestling and knows Scott Hall's story knows the guy has battled a lot of demons, battled a lot of addiction, and it looked like he was coming through to the other side, and uh, he went in for, I don't know what type of surgery it was, but uh, some blood clots uh, happened, he had some heart attacks, and he was on life support. Saw that. A couple days later, Kevin Nash put on Instagram that after speaking with his family, they were going to discontinue life support. Scott Hall passed away. Uh, huge, huge influence on so many wrestling fans. Like I tweeted, there was a lot of people, a lot of people my age who were teenagers in the mid nineties, wouldn't be wrestling fans anymore. If it wasn't for the outsiders and the NWO, like I think they saved wrestling. And I don't mean that with hyperbole. I think the NWO and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash mm-hmm. saved wrestling for a lot of fans in the mid nineties. Um, so his, his it legacy, bridged, it, 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 it didn't. It didn't just bridge the '90s yeah. in terms of fandom. It shot it into the stratosphere. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was. Listen, I'm sure there's going to be podcasts all about Scott Hall retrospectives and stuff. We're not here to talk about his career or anything like that. But one thing that's always kind of been Scott Hall. He's always in the short list of the greatest wrestlers who were never world champion. And he's always nominated uh, along with Mr. Perfect, unless you want to count the AWA World Title, which he had. Um, Owen Hart maybe is another one, but Scott Hall is on there. So I thought it would be interesting. Jerry Lawler? Jerry, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, if we count the USWA title, he only had 17,000 rates. But, and he won, I think, didn't he win the, he won the AWA title? He did. I just yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah, he did it like, uh, he beat Kerry Von Erich, I want to say, right? He Kerry Von Erich at Super Clash 3. Super Clash yes. 3, that's right. Yeah. The infamous Super Clash, yes. So, but, you know, that's one of those debates that wrestling fans have forever. Who is the best to never do this or who... Who is the best that did that? And that's always been a discussion. The greatest wrestler to never win the world title. Now, AEW, there's only been four world champions. The company's only three years old. But I thought a fun discussion would be, who are the best wrestlers in AEW to have never won any titles yet? A little bit of caveat. 
uh, we are including the FTW title, so you can't list uh, Rick Starks or Brian Cage. And we are counting the diamond, uh, the diamond ring. MJF says something, so MJF has had that as a title. They've only had about twenty five, which 20- speaks to my point. It, it speaks to my point that CM Punk needs to give that ring back. Right? Yeah, you can't steal belts, CM Punk. All right. <laughs> Give it back. I Man, I was trying to think of his real name. Gosh, why is his real name escaping me? What is Punk's real name? Which one? Um, Phil Brooks. Yeah, come on, Phil. Give the title back, Phil. <laughs> but, uh, again, so we count MJF as having a title. So, we both came up with a list of four people that we think are the best in AEW to have never held a belt yet. Andrew, give me your first one. Okay. So, I was thinking when you... First said it to me. I was like, "Oh, that'll be fun." Let me go, go through the pool, and I'm thinking, "Okay, let me knock out the big ones." Okay, yeah, Jericho's got one. You yeah. know, Hangman's got Moxley, one. Cody, yeah. Cody got one. I mean, Moxley, and I was like, "Wait a minute, Brian freaking Danielson has won a championship <laughs> yet?" Right. So I'm like, "So that's that's numero that's my numero uno." Yeah. Um. I, I mean, it speaks for itself. I don't really have to discuss further about Danielson, my love for him, and probably everybody's love for him at this point. Right. Um, by the way, you um, I, actually, I'll bring it up when you get to yours. Okay. Um, Eddie Kingston is another one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think he's ripe for a title. You know, it's like, I mean, when you have a guy, like, it's so funny because it's like Eddie, you know, Eddie Guerrero. Like, when Eddie won it, people loved it. People were so happy mm-hmm. for him. I can see the same for Eddie when it happens. Um, Dante Martin. It's a matter of time. He'll either get the tag team titles with Top Flight, or he's going to win the TNT title, or some other title that they'll make up where you have to like jump off of a cage or something to win it. And I'll give you a shocker, and because and I went with a female, I wanted to keep it involved. Sure, Jamie Hader. I think Jamie Hader's got a great future. Yeah. That doesn't shock me as much gets because out of that shadow yeah. of being Brit's bully. That doesn't yeah. shock me as much since I've done every episode with you. You've spoke positively about Hader before, so as someone who knows your thoughts on Hader, that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I think that's one that some people would be like, "Oh wow, I wouldn't have thought of her." But yeah, you're pretty high on Jamie Hader. I think uh, I, I think I see yeah. what you see. I like her. I, she's got a nice power style, and she does great like head dropping moves. Like yeah. I've seen her against Thunder Rosa and Rio and. There, she now I will say she had some matches early on when she first started with Dr. Britt Baker, which were not good. Sure, but she, just like Anthony Bowens, rapidly improving. Right, and Britt Baker herself had some matches that were not good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean Danielson, I think is the easy choice. Like I, I knew you would list him, so I didn't even think consider him. Like, and he could win. I, I like that's the number pick. Yeah. yeah, I think the TNT title is almost beneath him. Like it's world title, or as we talked earlier, put the tag belts on these guys. And man, as you were talking about them, I just had this vision of Moxley and Danielson against Top Flight. And holy crap, I want to see that match now. <laughs> like I want to see. Do you remember when the Hardy Boys? Re- Do you remember when the Hardy Boys wrestled Austin and Yes, H? yes, yes. Exact same way. I want to see. That's that. what it's going to be. That is what's going to be. Man, I want to see. It's going to be so amazing. Bad. Yeah, I want to see that a lot. Uh, and like you said, Eddie, um, TNT title works for him. Um, I could see him winning the tag belts. I think you'd have to build a good story. Not not a good story, but I think I don't think you just give him the world title. You have to build him there. Not to say that he's not ready there. Like you said, right. with Eddie Guerrero, I think. Yeah, I think don't Dan- do it like Austin Aries where they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to make Austin Aries the champion. Right. It's like, what? But I think fans, <laughs> I think fans would accept if they had it on Dynamite tomorrow. I think fans 
fans would accept it, but I don't think I think you want to give it the proper treatment. So, yeah, uh, and and maybe that's where they're going with him. Like, um, not necessarily the world title, but hey, he won the big one against Jericho, so now he believes in himself. So maybe he's the guy who slaps Scorpio Sky around and taps him out with a stretch plum. You know, that'd be really really cool. So, um. My list uh, is, again, you sent me your list, so I wanted to come up with four different names. First one that pops in my mind is Orange Cassidy because he's a guy who's been there since day one. Um, Orange Cassidy is, I think people would say he's overrated, but I think he's come all the way around to the point where he's underrated because he's always there. The crowd always reacts to him. He's always got a good match, and it's almost like, it's so accepted that what he's going to do is going to be like, he never messes up anything. He never does anything wrong. He always gets the crowd behind him. The guy's really, really good. Now, I don't think he could win the world title, although they've had him challenge for the world title before. You remember he had that triple threat match with him and Kenny and, and Pac. Um, I don't know. Great match. Yeah, yeah, it was a good match. But I think like TNT title, heck yeah, he could do that. Uh, you know, before Trent came back, I don't know that Chuck Taylor's at the level of winning the tag titles, but maybe he could have with with Orange Cassidy. It, it surprised me. I had to double check. Be like, has Cassidy won a belt? <laughs> because he's been here since day one, and he hasn't won a belt yet. No, so. no. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what they need to do when he does eventually, because he'll he'll get one. Yeah. And you you talk about the the dynamic or the 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 um the misrepresentation of, of of orange cassidy in terms of the fan base yeah i think this is what it is i think in terms of so much further over go look at the youtube views he's like yeah. the most popular act in the mainstream yeah uh, when it comes to like just out of context yeah uh, and so he's like the most popular act um in that case and people are like oh man everybody just loves orange cassidy but they don't know in the ring wrestling i think he's underrated like I think people yeah. don't. I think people take him for granted in the ring of how good of a wrestler. What I do want to see from a visual standpoint, I want him to have a belt, and he just has like the he has the he has like the loose end of the belt, and he just puts it in his pocket. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. And here's the thing: I don't know if you've ever seen his matches, but he has the power of the pockets. Like if he gets in a full Nelson. He just reaches for his pockets and right. he can power out of the full <laughs> Like, imagine if he had, like, a belt in his pocket and no one can get it out. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It would be kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, my second choice. Uh, It'd be thin, his hands in his pocket. Put the belt on it. <laughs> Um, my second choice is kind of the opposite of Orange Cassidy in terms of style and presentation. I went with Pac, who's another one that's been around the, pretty much, I think, day one one AEW guy uh and I thought he might have had a tag yeah, ring. he didn't show up yeah he did yeah I was about to say he didn't do the double or nothing uh with with hangman and he had that close call in that three-way with uh Orange Cassidy um uh, mm-hmm. but he's he's come super duper close also and I, I this is what I wanted to mention Brian Danielson was interviewed by I want to say either Brian Alvarez or Dave Meltzer for a long form interview he said that the that he show young wrestlers is Pac. Mm. That's awesome. I mean, what what glowing praise like for Pac too? You know, like, and, and he's a guy who, whereas right. Cassidy's always on and kind of always delivers. I think Pac is maybe a little misused or mis. I don't know if he's miscast, but I feel like uh, he kind of treads water a lot. You know, like he's always the f- yeah. He's always the guy who lays down for a hot heel and. I don't know. I, I don't think that the door's closed on him. I don't think the the window up, window of opportunity has 
past, so to speak. But I think he's got a guy who's just so darn good that it surprised me that he hasn't at least won like a tag belt or an early TNT title or something. Um, he, he's one of the rare acts that's mismanaged in the AEW. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And yes, they exist, guys. Yep. You know? Um, I don't think he's great on promos. Um, I don't think that's a strong point, but you don't have to be. You know, in 2022, you don't have to be able to cut a promo. They got enough ways to work around that. Um, but yeah, that's my second choice. My third one is LAX uh, or uh, Santana and Ortiz. Um, and I think this is another example where the crowd would would really be for it. Like I think, I think AEW's tag division is an embarrassment of riches, man. Like Jurassic Express is fine tag team champions, but there are so many stinking teams in this company right now that could be a viable tag team champion. There's just not going to be enough time, and somebody's going to get the short end of the stick and never get that title reign. And it could be LAX, you know, like F. TR is there. LAX is there. The acclaimed we talked about is there. There yeah. are so many freaking tag teams. The oh, House of Black. Get, get, yeah. Hey Jordan. Hmm. Get, guess who else is there? Hmm. John Moxley and Brian Danielson. <laughs> right. Yeah. Top Flight. <laughs> the Young I have Bucks. To keep that. The Young Bucks are there. You yeah. know, like I mean, there's so many teams. Yeah. Like I, I know. I know that the way they set up that TBS, the first TBS show where they all came out as challengers for the new champs. I know it was kind of done, kind of weird because it was like off track and everything and the camera didn't know where to go but it was legit like you look at all those tag teams you're like holy shit we got a a gauntlet yeah all I can think of is remember the old Survivor Series when they had like the 10 man tags and there was like the entire apron was wrestlers they could do something like that and it would be maybe one of the best matches of all time right now if they did that well you know I thought about this um, in a loosely like over the last months and you said like one of your favorite shows was like a show in Daly's place where it was all tag matches and trios matches. Yeah. What if we had a pay per view where it was just trios and tag matches? Oh, I, I could, I could buy it. I would love it. Like I had the crazy like, idea. Well, I mean, it's not. It's uh, they would have to expand the pay per view schedule. They would have to add views. That that was something that I do think they might have to look into in the future. Yeah. But that would be kind of cool. Yeah. And I mean, there's always been rumors of a trios title uh, coming into the fold, and I think they could get away with that. I don't know that they should. Uh, that that dilutes the total a little. Khan said it, and it, Tony was asked that. I'm waiting for Kenny to come back, basically. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, but I mean, I, I, that does not open the door for more people to get some gold. So, um, then my last choice, uh, I went with a woman as well. I went with Chris Statlander. Um, I think Chris Statlander is really, really good. I really like watching her wrestle. I think the character, the alien thing, is a little meh. But it's fine, you know, it's no... I'm over it. Yeah, I, I, that's fine. I, I, I totally get that. But other than the nose boop, she doesn't really do a whole lot in ring that plays into that character. She could just keep the face paint and not call herself an alien anymore, and I think she'd be fine. But I think she's a really she, good wrestler. Well, when she, start, when she started, she didn't talk at all because she was from yeah another dimension kind of thing. Right. Um, so she didn't talk much. She did have some times where she would cut a promo, but it wasn't her strong suit. She also had more bulk to her when she um, yeah. debuted. Before she, she tore her ACL yeah. during Daily's I think yes. that I think that she didn't tear her ACL. I think she might have been the one to beat Nyla Rose rather than Hikaru Shida. I think she she could have had a. I think they were gearing her up for some sort of title reign way back then. Uh, and it just never happened. And mm-hmm. I don't know that and, it ever and will with her. Credit to Akarashita. She credit to Akarashita. They did what they could with that. Like she was sure. the champion for a year yeah. in an era where they never had fans. That's tough. Yeah. So I got to give Akarashita credit. I will say this about the 
promos. I don't know if you've seen this between because they we've had a lot of like a spinoff um, women's feuds like legit Layla Shu, Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, Serena Deep. There were two promos that really stuck out in terms of their like like how nasty they were. So Chris Statlander tells legit legit Layla Hirsch is uh, was originally an orphan from Russia. So obviously with the current events going on, you might want to tread lightly with that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But Chris Statlander says, nah, go into it. And she's with the way and because legit Layla Hurst is the heel. And Statlander says, uh, with the way that you with the way that you talk and act, no wonder your parents owned you. <laughs> and I was like, Gosh. what? <laughs> like, I, like, I was like, wow, like, that's brutal. Um, and then the other one, Hikaru Shida says, you know, you tried to take my knee out. I'm going to cut your head off. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. You know? The women's division really is a, a wild land of some strange characters and gimmicks. You know, like this is one where this is one where I don't think bullet points is going to work for Tony. Like <laughs> you might have to tell them what to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's because they're literally gonna go out there and say meanest shit ever. These are girls. Girls I'm gonna are cut mean. your head off, you <laughs> stupid orphan. Like, jeez. That should be the title of this episode. Girls are mean. <laughs> Got it. Let me jot it down. Send it to Justin tonight. Girls are mean. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, no, Statlander's awesome. The fact that she went through that really major injury and came back, leaned down, and is still really good and can not and not risk injury and still kind of keep her move set and be part of the best friends. I, I, I'm, I really enjoy watching her. Yeah. Andrew, can I, can we finish tonight by me summing up pretty easily how there's so many moving? You want to know a perfect example of why there's almost too many things going on in AEW. Mm-hmm. We've been talking for two hours. We haven't even mentioned that Swerve Stwer- Strickland is in the company. <laughs> like, Oh, Swerve, wow. Swerve debuted, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, jeez, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like they, so he was introduced as Shane Swerve Strickland, yeah. which most people knew him as. But if you look at the graphics when he wrestled uh, the premier athlete Tony Nese on Rampage in his debut, a good match. I wouldn't say amazing, yeah. but good. Um, you know, nice introduction for Swerve. He's his his his. his not gimmick, but his style is that he does a lot of counters. He does a lot of athleticism yep. type of things that you don't normally see with his legs and his arms. He yep. can really contort his body in weird directions. That he's he's a terrific performer, so he'll be a good addition. Uh, just so as to show how loaded it is. But now they're going just by Swerve, Swerve Strickland. Yeah. So and it, I mean he 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 came out. Uh, the crowd loved him, and he automatically already has a catchphrase. Whose house? Swerve's house. Swerve's house. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... Like I said, I said about the tag division, it's an embarrassment of riches that they have right now. Like, there are guys that unfortunately are going to get lost in the shuffle, and there's some people... Some of our favorite wrestlers are not going to be on TV. Some of our favorite wrestlers are going to lose the matches. Some of our favorite wrestlers are never going to get the titles, and that sucks, but not because they're wasting the company. Like... I, I still love everything I'm watching. It's just, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't even know if there needs to be a thing, solution. Like, look, bro- and here's Brian Cage his option picked up, yeah. and there were rumors that he might be on the out. Well, if his options picked up and they kind of and they do a repush, you got to move him somewhere. Miro's coming back from his leg 
surgery pretty, leg injury pretty soon. Yep. We'll see what happens there. Um, like, I love FTR. I know some people, their mileage may vary on them, but, um, you know, like, they're, they're having issues just finding a spot yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah, they fired Tully Blanchard, by the way. Tully Blanchard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one that one happened so yeah. well you know they're, they're trying to evolve and do things uh and stay relevant you know even if it's just a very short promo like that's what we're talking about with dynamite like we're talking about things that you know because we're not a, like a recap show necessarily but like there are things that happen that literally last two minutes and they and it's like if you missed it it's done yep. <laughs> you yep. know yep. and it's it's crazy like it's like this it, the, the universe like do you remember saying elsewhere where everything was in a snow globe <laughs> at the end yeah the big twist yeah the snow globe's about to fucking explode like right now, i almost wonder shows. i almost wonder if the saving grace and I, I hate to use that term saving grace because that suggests that they need to be saver from something i think the company's firing on all cylinders I almost wonder if Ring of Honor is a nice way to alleviate the building pressure of all these rostered guys not being utilized. Like, I wonder if they just become two touring brands. I don't know how I feel about that, but it's an option, and it's an option that kind of makes sense. Um, and it's a way to keep people away from each other and keep keep, keep feuds fresh, you know? Like, like, Raw and SmackDown are considered two brands, but they're not. But Ring of Honor and AEW could legitimately be two brands owned by the same company that could be mm-hmm. booked that way. I don't know. It's something to consider. I think the issue that's going on from a financial perspective is, and it's very similar to what happened. This is similar to what happened with Vince and WCW when he purchased it, is that um, the broadcast and syndication package that they were promoting for WCW, it never came to fruition because, number one, WCW was a dead brand at that point um, in terms of popularity compared to the WWF, and I don't think people really trusted them to make something that was truly independent of the WWF. And a lot of that was WWF's own doing, yeah. The thing with Tony is that they were, Ring of Honor was previously um, uh, associated with Sinclair, so obviously... They're going to have to either negotiate something with Sinclair where maybe they can keep it on that channel because Sinclair is a very powerful network of, of channels uh, locally, mostly in the East. Yep. But they, they might be able to pull something off to have a show, or maybe they put together another revenue stream on yep. TBS or TNT or <laughs> True TV. <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> like, like we'll, we'll see. Like, I, mean, I don't know. They, I'm sure there's something where he puts the respect in it, and it, it, it doesn't feel like, um, it doesn't feel like Dark Part Two. Like, yeah. I, I think you're on to something. Yeah, I, and it, I don't know. It's, it's weird because I feel like gushed for two hours about what a great show we've seen and stuff like that. But that it really is becoming a thing where, like, even like a Keith Lee, he debuted three weeks ago, and he already feels like forgotten. Is that the right word? Like, he just that that's that's the only thing that kind of bothers me sometimes when I watch AEW. When I see when you see a roster like, and I I had this problem a lot with TNA, where you see the roster, then you watch the show, and you're like, that's it. Yeah. Like that's the best you could do. Yeah. Right now, they are doing the best they can do, yeah. and people feel rewarded, and there's a lot of trust building going on with the fan base, and it drives the hate of the competitor, and that's okay. Sure. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, again, like I said uh, about midway through the show, I mean, we're six months into it. We could, we joined in on a tidal wave. Um, I'm, I've enjoyed riding the waves, and sometimes they get choppy, you know? <laughs> Me too. Um, I don't... I don't, I don't 
want to say the waves are choppy, but the waves are, we're heading into maybe uncharted water, uh, to keep going with the water analogy. Maybe we're heading into uncharted water in the right. sense of, now they've got a, and again, man, i, I got to choose my words right. I don't think it, they have a problem, but they have a problem with a lot of guys that aren't being utilized well. What do with them? You know, and that's an answer yeah. I just don't really have. So, well, you know, well, you know that they call that turning the page. Mm. Is Hangman Page turning heel? Oh my gosh, I think you heard it. Wait a second, turning the page. Let me check my Twitter. Oh my gosh, Angela Lansbury of Murder She Wrote is all elite. She's the new lead in <laughs> to, to Dynamite. <laughs> and you know they should have Tony Khan just like. ADHD is way through the voice of the credits of Murder. I have bought this Angela Lansbury estate. <laughs> that was the one thing that was funny about Murder. She wrote when the credits rolled. That meant Raw was or primetime wrestling was going to start. Yeah, because there's always Vince like, would voice over the credits. Yeah, it was <laughs> always like her like whipping a piece of paper off the typewriter. You remember like it was like the same ending yes. every week. And then and then but here's but here's the thing like the. Murder, She Wrote was, like, a very, like, classy type of detective murder mystery type of thing. So they would play the piano yeah. on, over the credits with stills of what happened in the episode. And Vince McMahon was like, coming up, it'll be Diesel versus Sid on Raw. As <laughs> <laughs> Angela Lansbury's drinking tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, Stad Landers, uh, well, I don't know. L- listen. We've got to pass that along to Sheldon. Sheldon is more powerful than Tony Khan. Right. Go yeah, look I at agree. the ratings. Yeah. Go ask Brandon Thurston at Retronomics. Right. If it ain't for the Big Bang Theory, that rating is going down two decibels. Period. <laughs> and that means spread revenue's down. Sheldon moves the needle. Yep. You talk about needle movers. Sheldon moves the needle. I'd like, like to amend example, my list. Yeah. I'm going to take Pac off my list and put Sheldon on, on my list as a uh, champion. They need to put Jim. Listen, like um, Chris Statlander's uh, finisher is the Big Bang Theory. They need to have Jim Parsons go out there as like a guest manager. Yeah, or just change it to the Bazinga. That's what I think works. <laughs> oh man, what if they what if they got hey, Young look, Sheldon uh, versus Young Rock for All Out? I have never seen Young Rock. Neither have but I. Let me say this: I know I know which one is written better because Brian Gewertz writes Young Rock. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Gewurz, I always remember that story where Hardcore Holly got mad at Gewurz during Wrestler's Court, and he says, I got an idea, Mr. Gewurz, how about you give me the title? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why Hardcore Holly never got a job anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Bob Holly will be all elite anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a good summation of tonight's episode. Bob Holly is not elite, a lot of other people are. Uh... That's a perfect time to end it, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he he's working for Elite. He's working for Elite Wood Construction Company. <laughs> <laughs> These new shoes I got are elite. Hangover Maryland. Yeah. You know he's wearing his dad's shoes right now, covered in grass stains. Complaining about gas prices. <laughs> All right, I think we've gone off the rails, just like Dynamite goes a little bit too far sometimes. So let's call it a night, Andrew. Uh, again, to all of our, our listeners, thank you as always uh, for listening uh, to us ramble on. We do appreciate any feedback you've got for us. Uh, in the meantime, if you're an AEW fan and you like watching, come hang out with us for a couple hours every other week as we talk about all things. Uh, for Andrew, see you later.